0: Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Tetra Hearing. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experience as a field, and to share our members' stories. Welcome back, everybody. This is Day Three, the final installment, 2023 Convention conversations from the nwtf convention and sports show it's been a great two guest-packed episodes and in this final installment you will hear from matt Moret, country outdoors zach and mary phillips blake rice of tss nina rogers maggie williams Aliyah garner wayne saunders from warden's watch kyle green and his crew from the greenway outdoors the 24-7 hunt crew we're gonna to talk to all those folks these are these are some fun ones ones that kind of snuck up on me in a in a good way not not knowing where the conversation was gonna end up and we went to have some especially starting with Nina and it carried through to Maggie and we we revisited this line of thought about ducks uh with the twenty four seven guys uh and my genuine curiosity of the value system placed on species of ducks uh turns out that my value system is far different, uh, than, than those folks uh, that I've named that, uh, that appreciate a good mallard. Um, whereas I see them as very common place and the weirder the duck, the more I dig them, but you can listen to all that, uh, in this program, in this show, we're going to do day three in 90 seconds. And as before, uh, most of these are 15 to 20 minute conversations. Um, so if you want to jump around a little bit, rewind, fast forward, uh, I'd invite you to do so, but I'd also say, you know, all of them are worth a listen. They're pretty entertaining, They're real good folks for coming out. Uh, this was the busiest day. Thursday was off the charts. Uh, even Wednesday night, Friday was good. Saturday was just bonkers. And, um, you'll hear some of that. So uh, what I'm getting to is I'm very appreciative of these people being able to uh, keep a schedule and get to, to sit down with me during this very busy day. So all those folks in 90 seconds is day three. Let's go.
1: Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation.
2: Hey guys, this is Aaron with The Hunting Public. Each spring we head to the woods chasing turkeys, and one overlooked product that we use religiously is Sawyer Permethrin. We've used it for years to keep ticks off of us, and it's worked extremely well. We don't like messing around with Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, anything like that. So I would highly recommend, if you're a spring turkey hunter, spending any time in warmer climates in the outdoors to use Sawyer permethrin. Learn about their advanced insect repellents and family of technical, lightweight water filters at sawyer.com.
3: Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you.
0: All right, we are underway. It is day three of the NWTF Convention and Sports Show. This is the Turkey Call All Access podcast, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation. Our first guest kicking it off on day three, you may know him. You may have heard the name Matt Moret here or there with the PA. Commission, uh, fishing Game commission now, especially, and, and it's been a little bit. Most people know that, and those that don't, they now know it. Um, it's a, it's a long resume. Some of the highlights of uh, X, HS Struts, so many call companies, uh, a leader in the industry, uh, a, a pioneer
4: in turkey calling, and he's here. Welcome. How's the show? Man, the show is crazy. It's amazing. You know, it, 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 you still come to Opera Land, you get off the elevator and make the wrong turn and you're lost for an hour. Yeah, yeah, it's, for sure. it's crazy. And <laughs> just to watch the folks that are coming through, you know, I've been coming to the convention since 1987. Yeah. So we've seen it grow. And yeah. uh, just the excitement for conservation and the wild turkey and turkey calls. And you can just see it in the air. I mean, you can feel it in the air out there. You know, people are getting ready for turkey season. And, yeah. and no matter what you're doing here, if you're a turkey hunter, actually, if you're a hunter, you need to come check out the, the, the NWT convention here in the Nashville, because, you know, it's, there's nothing like it in the world. Yeah, there isn't. And then you're exactly right. This, this electricity, I mean,
0: I, I just try to get, um, go one row to the next on the show floor and it took me roughly 20 minutes. That's awesome. Like, it's yeah. packed. There's so much electricity and it's, and it's been that way since uh, probably Tuesday night when staff started getting here all the way through Wednesday and then Thursday it just, it just popped off and it hasn't settled down since. It's fantastic.
4: Well, I hope you all get a break after this because I know that the, y'all do <laughs> such a great job and, and as always, just people don't realize how hard it is to put something like this on. And You know, here at the Game Commission, we have a, a booth on the show floor just yeah. celebrating turkey hunting and Pennsylvania's heritage and, mm. you know, as you can see, we're this is the pennsylvania tuxedo because everybody it's awesome that goes deer i love hunting, it everybody goes deer hunting in pennsylvania used to wear black and red yeah. check or, or their granddad or their dad or whatever but you know it it uh like uh, electricity is a great word because yeah. that's exactly what it is here.
0: Yeah. You look well suited to come uh, in my neck of the woods, in New Hampshire and Maine. I mean, like this is, oh, yeah. this is,
4: this is everyday wear. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, exactly. I love it up there in that part of the world yeah. too. And, you know, we all share the, the same, no. talk about New Hampshire and Maine. There's no turkeys in New Hampshire and Maine. I, no, I would not go there. I wouldn't I just just stop booking <laughs> your tickets. <laughs>
0: how is, how is this working out? I mean, is, is this a big, was it a big change? Is it a big transition, departure going from, you know uh, privatized and now
4: you know a, a government yeah.
0: agency what, what's that I, transition
4: like i would say for me you know i got to make my living luckily for 30 years yeah. in the outdoor industry with you know hs strut like you said and zinc and avian x and building brands and and you know actually our brands got to the top and yeah, it was sure. it was pretty awesome and you know it, i saw this i was deer hunting in oklahoma and this job came across twitter's like marketing for the pennsylvania game commission and i wasn't looking for a job honestly never applied for a job in my life so mm. i i uh Applied for the job and they called me and I'm like, oh, now I got to make a decision, (laughs) you know, and, you know, there were some things going on with, with companies getting bought out by, you know, conglomerates and and anyway, I took a chance. And and the the biggest reason that I did is because I'm able to give back, you know, and and this, this industry, the wild turkey, you know, has been so good to me and I'm able to give back to the resource and that's, that's what drives me every day. And I, I, I made the right decision. Every day that I wake up, I love what I do. We're building a great team over there. Um, Brian Burhans, who used to be an employee of the NWTF, leads our agency as an awesome. executive director. And, you know, um, our marketing staff is about almost 20 people. You know, wow. we we have a lot of things going on. We have our own podcast, you know, at the Game Commission. And, and uh, the good thing about Pennsylvania is we have a million hunters yeah. and nearly a million hunters and over 200,000 turkey hunters. We have a lot of people that are here in Nashville, but have that passion mm-hmm. and, and it drives it drives you every day. Yeah, It sure does. It, from a marketing
0: standpoint, you know, so much of the common themes of these conversations this week has been. About storytelling. That's what we're doing here. That's what right. you you do and telling a good, authentic story. And we've as a community been challenged in that and conveying our story to the people that, you know, aren't here. Right. Right. That eighty percent that we covet so much that, you know, that if we could get them great, but we also don't want you to not like us or, or, or cause you're there are vote, and we want you to, I guess, suppose, uh, be with us or continue to be neutral on it, um, and not take a bad stance. So it's a big challenge and as we look in the next 50 years, as we celebrate 50 years, of the NWTF and everything we've been going
4: through, that's, that's the next step that's, I think, gonna to continue to perpetuate it. Well, we live in a different society today that, that I mean, it just, things change and, and evolve and, and we have to adapt to that. And, you know, there's a lot of negativity out in this, in this world. One thing I will say that I've learned, you know, since I've stepped through those walls, conservation is a huge word we mm-hmm. use every day. Mm-hmm. Conservation, or excuse me, conservation means so many things. Mm-hmm. And I, I encourage anybody that, that that is a hunter that, that loves wild turkeys, really understand what conservation is and like you said it's the next 50 years a lot of folks have trouble seeing past tomorrow sure and if we don't leave it better than we found it you know conservation you're not looking up the right definition in my opinion and and, you know that's that's where we're at today we as a government agency i mean there's people that love us and there's people that hate us there's not a lot of middle ground and and you know The biggest thing that we've done wrong for a long time is controlling the message. Mm -hmm. We've got information out there, and the public controls the message. Mm -hmm. And good, bad, or indifferent things that are happening... It's important that we control that message, just like NWTF. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you look at NWTF's past with Target 2000 and you know, um, what was the last? Save of the habitat, save the hunt. I'm sorry, I'm no, old. You're it, good, man.
0: But, it's there's a lot going but, on. But
4: controlling those messages, yeah. and so the the folks that are involved, the volunteers, the people that buy a hunting license, the conservationists out there, we have one mission in mind, and I think that's real important, and that's what, that's why they hired us at the Game Commission mm. to do that because so many folks in pennsylvania just think we're a law enforcement agency and that's one small part i mean we own we own a million and a half acres and manage that for habitat for future generations so they can enjoy hunting and trapping and you know that message is important very important no matter where and we're all on the same team yeah i think it's important you know we, we some of this came up yesterday in some
0: conversations that knowing and understanding and communicating the difference between conservation and preservation And I think going forward, state agencies, non-government organizations like us, we have to really emphasize the stark difference in those two, because so much of that general public, that 80 percent will hear conservation. They'll see somebody in a 30 second ad. I'm a conservationist. I'm conserving the polar bears. And there's and it's on purpose. Right. It's that marketing side of things. They, they confuse the two. So if you think the, the general public thinks conservation is not utilizing that resource. True conservation, as we understand conservation. Right. And they see conservation more as a preservation. And that's really that's a big that's a challenge we need to hit head on. And we're working on. Everyone is. Absolutely. We all understand this. But the messaging has to be right. And it would. I don't know what the what the solution is, but we're all working towards it. But that's
4: one of them. It's it's it is confusing, you know, and it's hard. It's even in, internally sometimes yeah. it's hard. I mean, we we have to preserve things, you know. We preserve traditions. I mean, we preserve traditions going turkey hunting, getting out of there. That's right. You know, at daylight and you up into a turkey and he gobbles and the little hair, little hairs on the back of your head stand up. That's a that tradition we need to preserve. But in order to have that, we have to conserve our resources mm-hmm. out there. I mean, things change every day. Look at, look at where you grew up, no matter how old you are, when you go back to that place where you grew up, it's changed and you have to adapt. And that's the most important thing with conservation is we have to adapt on a daily basis. Not with blinders on and mm-hmm. looking way out into the future, because we want our kids and grandkids and, and folks to understand to come to Nashville to the NWTF yeah. or wherever it is at that time. You know, I. I've been around long enough to come to the convention. It's been in many different cities.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. This one seems to really work out. I mean, it's just... Look at it. Centrally located. <laughs> I mean, so many people can drive right? in instead of fly, which is not a, you know, that's going to be arduous
4: and costly, but Nashville really hosts us well and it works out. Well, you got country music. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, even Nashville, since I've been coming here, Nashville has grown to Vegas statue. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and uh when you bring all these turkey hunters to Nashville, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's, again, it's
0: electric. It's really cool what's going on. What's uh What's the state of the wild turkey? I know you're not
4: the, the biologist for the state, but you know what's happening we just in fight Pennsylvania. With yeah.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, you know, playfully, I'm so funny. many a lot of places in the country that you know are seeing declines. You hear mm-hmm. that all over the place. In Pennsylvania, we're actually pretty stable. Yeah. Um, if you take a statewide brush, we have we have areas that are up, we have areas that are down, and we have areas that are doing really well. We had two great hatches, two great recruitment years, and we're seeing lots of turkeys right awesome. now. Um, we also had cicadas two years ago we had our 17 year cicada hatch mm-hmm. and there's no doubt that helps yep. and uh, we're seeing we're seeing them the the, the a, a great incline in our population but they're turkeys i mean yep. you're going to see that there's ups and downs you know we had five or six poor weather years for recruitment and you know we saw it and hopefully you know the, the good the guy upstairs takes it easy on us in may and june and we have another good year and and we're going to be back to you know record numbers and you know i I think so many more people are paying attention to that kind of thing right there you know and and one thing i will say to hunters don't get on social media and complain about it get on social media and talk about how we can fix it together Mm. i think that's the most the the biggest message we can get across it's easy to get on there and be negative about anyone can do it but if we can get on there and and work together to fix problems, anything you can do—I mean, the, the slightest little backyard project that that could lend a hand to even pollinators or whatever you're looking at—that can help. That can. That's when you become a conservation. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, your state recently got a portion of Sunday hunting back. Do I have that right? We did. Um, How's that working? out? You know, out? we're we're part of the, the the original colonies with the blue laws and. Uh, we got three Sundays. And I, I know it sounds crazy to people that, that, that don't understand, yeah. but that's monumental for us. It's a and, huge, huge list. And, uh, you know, we're all about opportunities. Our agency is in full support. It's a legislative issue that, mm-hmm. that we're dealing with our Farm Bureau for the most part. And uh, we've got those three Sundays. And, and, you know, that's step number one. I, I foresee in the pretty near future that we'll have be able to control all Sundays at the game commission, which yeah. is really important and it's a big win for hunters. So for you, from a marketing standpoint, I mean, it, the, the traveling
0: turkey hunter is is not a, um, it's not like what you were in, right? Like you did it for a job, mm-hmm. you had television promotions, you had partners and things like that. Like anybody can get out there and do this stuff now. And they are doing it. I, there's people traveling to hunt turkeys more, I think, than ever oh, have. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. So for you, like for bringing people from an ecotourism standpoint, $100 matter. And now you have outside $100 coming in by way of um, non-resident tags, people staying in lodging, eating the food in Pennsylvania, going home with trinkets. I mean, it's a big deal. It really so, is. So, you know, I. I I'm not. I'm not a citizen, but I think, and you guys would probably agree that that Sunday hunting is a big deal for the traveling turkey hunter to come in with their dollars sure. to put into that state uh, because it maximizes. It's doubling at least their, their weekend opportunity.
4: Never mind their midweek opportunity. Well, it sends a lot of our hunters to St- yeah, United states too. Yeah, I mean, it's like going right out to New York or you know Maryland or places where Sunday Sunday hunting is is legal and you know it's exactly right and and I think we're going to see that here pretty quick and and we don't have any opportunities in turkey season yet you know one of the greatest things about Pennsylvania and you talk about traveling is you know we're we're blessed we're an independent agency at the game commission so we're not we're under the governor's jurisdiction but we're not funded by anything more than hunters dollars Um, Pittman Robertson from excise tax on you know ammunition and, and archery equipment And we're fortunate. Honestly, we're fortunate to to have some mineral rights on a lot of our Mm -hmm. original game lands where the gas and oil is crazy right now. So we're really funded very well as a state agency that is put directly back into wildlife. That's that's great. You know, Um, and my job, you know, a lot of folks wonder how things work. My job is fund Our our bureau is funded 100 percent through the mm Pittman-Robertson grant because of the of the, the uh, modernization of, of that grant for marketing aspects yep. and marketing aspects not necessarily just to sell more hunting license I mean that's not the goal the goal is is to get people engaged and of course when you buy a hunting license that goes to conservation but if we could get 30 minutes of folks time outside of of, of hunting and just learn a little bit more about what invasive species are out yeah. there that we have to get rid of, or like we said earlier, planting pollinators or just paying attention to things and details out there that we can leave it better than we found. It. Yeah. Yeah. And that's,
0: that's the the message to carry forth. And, um, you know, when you're having those opportunities to get in front of those people and have those 30 minute conversations, it's without overstating it. It can be life changing. It's a perspective change. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll say it that way. And that's probably more appropriate. Well, look, um,
4: at, look at companies like Mossy Oak. Um, you know, I see your shirt there. And, yeah look look what they're doing for conservation because they get it yeah they understand i mean they're fortunate to you know mossy oak got its start right here at this convention Mm -hmm. you know the 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 big camo, a lot of companies i mean not just turkey call companies Mm -hmm. but you got camo companies that did that and now the way that they're giving back because they want to make sure that the future is bright and you got to take your hat off and support those those companies
0: and that's what's great I mean, again that's like another common thread is this audience here the people out here they recognize support they recognize family family is family so when we get new partners that come on if they're supporting a podcast if they're supporting a dog trial or a call making competition whatever that is these people all get that and enthusiastically rally to those new family members or legacy family members and support them absolutely
4: you walk down these aisles here at the convention yeah. you, you see a whole lot of bottom land yeah yeah for sure that's i mean they all do their, they all do great everybody does a great job but the support is pretty tremendous Yeah, it's, it's you don't i don't know if you see it's it, it,
0: the way you see it here it's really different and special and that's and that's not being a company line it's like i don't really see this anywhere else well we are a
4: family yeah. we've always been a family i i you know last night i, I sat in a room um, Chris Kirby had a, a suite upstairs. You know, his yep. father started Quaker Boy. Yep. Chris is a grant. Uh, you know, He's kn- in the
0: booth right now yeah. selling turkey
4: calls. And I've, Chris and I have known each other for, since I was eight. And Ernie Calandrelli and Paul Butsky and a lot of my heroes were sitting in that room telling old stories. But when we get together.
0: Oh, there's a first on the old podcast. We have emergency services out front. Ready to respond, and uh, for the first time in three days, they have to respond, and got locked himself
4: out. So we were we were saying you were you were in that room with all that history, yeah, and just my heroes, yeah. you know, and and listening to the stories from the seventies and when I started, and you know, Chris and I called together, called against each other in nineteen seventy seven, you mm-hmm. know, and. and you know, we were seven years old and now we're mid, almost mid fifties. And mm. to just, it's family. Everybody you walk, I walk out this door mm. and I'm going to shake hands and say hi to friends that you see once a year, Yeah, but they are friends, you know, your truck could break down on the way home on I-40 and if somebody sees a turkey track sticker in your back window, they're, yep. com- they're coming to help you change That's your tire. exactly right. Yep.
0: Man, I do appreciate the time. I know you're busy. Well, anything you're hoping to see or do or people to catch up with? I, I know everyone wants to see you. Well, <laughs> and not, then you walk the floor. No,
4: I, you know, I I, I want to catch up with every single person that's yeah. here, you know, and, and I'm blessed this year that uh, t- this afternoon that I'm getting inducted into the Grand National Hall of Fame. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to brag, but that's pretty dang special to me.
0: Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And uh, we had Mark in here yesterday talking about that same thing. So it's going to be a, a great tip of yeah, the hat. I get, to, I get emotional. Twenty three. Right, yeah, again. you should. It's well learned. Congratulations. Thank you. We'll uh,
4: we'll see you up there. All right, buddy. Thank All you. Right.
0: All right. And we are back in the podcast studio. This this day is. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm so loud. This is crazy.
6: Yeah, this is nuts today.
7: Yeah.
0: There's so many people uh, on the show floor. Hold on a second.
7: I feel like this year has definitely broken the record books
0: i've not heard any hard counts but i, I mean just sitting here watching everything i was just trying to get from your booth to here where we're located it was nuts
7: insane yeah and the the whole lineup thing for mr fox vest like we because where our booth is right at the entrance we've had a yeah. good visual on uh, the foot foot traffic every day and it has been major
0: or or no visual i mean i don't yeah. even know how you can see in front of you really it's been
7: crazy. yeah get awesome. up on the roof of the rv
0: I started to go around and collect all the pillows people were leaving behind. People sleeping Dude. in the hallway right by our booth. It was uh it was it was intense. Like <laughs> that second I you knew after that first night with that deal when people like were starting to get savvy like, okay, we're well, gonna go down there early understanding what's about to happen. But then the people are like, Okay, I didn't get it night one. 4.30 first dude stands out there for a Saturday giveaway or um Friday and it was uh, our third I'm losing track of the, the second day of giveaway. what the they were gonna do yeah it, it was nuts and it was yeah. wonderfully so yeah I thought, I thought I mean what more could you ask for to create a buzz
7: oh yeah for sure and I mean that family of just you know they obviously have done so much in the world of turkey hunting and conservation but to leave a create such a legacy for you know someone who we all look up to yeah. every year i wait to see if mr fox is gonna get right. one more bird and it always brings a tear to my eyes and i'm sure everybody else all of us so to be a part of that legacy and to be able to hold on to one of those mementos is great
6: well i tell people that turkey hunters are a diehard breed that they're just a little different yeah and
0: i think that's good proof
1: that no no do doubt that
0: have. Yeah, there is no doubt. Anyway, Daniel said the same thing. You know, it's, it's interesting to hear from, you know, a, a grandson, an actual family member. Like they have to sh- they share that like, they, now they have to share it mm-hmm. and they recognize that. And that's a pretty unique spot to be in like that story and what that means, not just to them, their actual family member, but like to this extended family. Exactly. And how people really latched on to that. Daniel, you know, telling stories of how people are texting him and blowing his phone up of, stories about their grandfathers, you know, and it just hitting on all these notes and it's, it runs deep. It's not just a vest, you know, it's not just a bunch of stuff put together so you can go hunt turkeys. It's way more. And some people won't even put it on to go hunt. They won't even sit in the dirt with it.
7: No. I'll put it up and treasure
0: it yeah that's pretty special you guys are special we made an announcement the other day at our rendezvous um, uh, introducing you guys as uh, a as storytellers to the NWTF and you guys uh, enthusiastically do so and, and I'm happy and proud to work with you guys I always enjoy our conversations and yeah. I love um, your ability to tell a story and talk about what it is we all love from your perspective and that's what's great about what we're doing with our storytellers it's not kool-aid from the nwtf we're not giving you the company line and that's empowering you guys to tell the story the right way the way you do as good storytellers
7: thank you it meant meant a lot to us to get us to come on board and you know being um, members and supporters of this community obviously is really important to us and you can see that with our turkey tour and the people that we bring in and out of camp and now the different opportunities that we've been able to create because of that we're going down and filming a youth hunt in South Carolina and you know with us having our first baby on way as well it's just changed everything for us and really this uh this community is about family and about preservation and that's what nwtf is about as well it's like conserving the god-given gifts that we've been given and Mm. so to be able to come on board and help tell those those stories in creation is really special for us
6: yeah and it's been really cool for me too Uh, the first show i came to here for the nwtf was in 2007 and i walked around here and was lost Mm-hmm. but I knew I wanted to be a part of this somehow. Yeah. So to be able to be here and be a part of it is is special. Yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's really great. And so you, you hit on, I was going to get to it, but uh, your family, your stories are yet to be told and it's expanding. What is that going to look like for the spring?
7: Well, um, you know, luckily our tour revolves around moving around in yeah. our RV. So that has given us a lot of ease. You know, we don't have to be jumping on planes too much mm-hmm. and in and out of hotels. So I uh, the new science on shooting guns. Mr. Bill Dickinson at Tetra has told me that once your baby's ears are developed past a certain point, it's not safe to actually shoot guns. Mm. So I will be bow hunting my turkeys this season as much as I can until it gets uncomfortable. Um, I'd like to try, you know, I'd like to try, I probably won't get a slam, but I'd like to try as much as I can, but I'm going to, I will be testing out all the recipes this season that I never get to test because I'm exhausted. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be my job, and I get to sit back and watch the boys a little bit more, which is exciting. Also,
6: the baby's due in June, which is impeccable timing on a yeah. Board. That couldn't have been more perfect.
7: It. We did not plan that. It's
0: Very uh, apropos
7: for so, the whole <laughs> spring. Yeah, so I'll be flying back to Australia actually uh, in at the end of April to have her. So I'll be with wow. my mom and my sister. Zach will fly over just before. The baby's born. I've got, you know, I'm one of five kids. I've got two brothers, two sisters, two nieces, and my family are really tight. I just couldn't imagine having my first kid without my yeah. family there. So
0: that's a whole
6: different dynamic to that, mm-hmm. right?
7: It sure it's, is. It's She's leaving be- me
6: unattended for basically the whole month
0: of May.
7: <laughs> so if you
0: want to come hunt, yeah. Holler. Yes, uh, I will send private text. We'll, we'll make that happen. <laughs>
7: yeah. So what is,
0: what's the RV situation look like now? I mean, yeah, it's going to have to upgrade, yeah?
7: So we will probably go into a toy hauler next year. Uh, right now, we've brought on Lippert as our presenting partner, and they make everything in the outdoor RV, auto, marine space, mm-hmm. accessories. They own Ranch Hand, actually every bit of glass on a uh Tour bus, uh, sorry, uh, school bus window was made from them. They've come on and sponsored this year at uh, NWTF as well, so people can go and visit them too. But they have been such huge supporters of us and the outdoor industry. So they're coming on and they're retrofitting the inside of the RV to make it a little bit more uh, baby-proof for us, a bit more comfortable yeah. We're taking some of the things that are in the RV that don't quite fit us right now, our lifestyle and swapping them out for different couches, adding a baby crib, a portable that's that's where i'm
0: going like where's the baby sleeping you know you you can can, there's a
7: lot of things you can get uh these days that are just really portable amazon thank you uh there's clip (laughs) on baby seats that you can put attached to the the counter in there and so yeah i mean it's funny so we've a lot of people have been like so you're gonna slow down now are you and i'm like no we're just gonna make it work for us you know we'll i might not hunt every morning for a while but Mm. i'll be hunting still and we'll just we'll figure out What groove we want to get into? Yeah. Will
0: you get uh, like new baby Bjorn and just backpack (laughs) the baby out there? Maybe. To be determined. Yeah. I will. I recommend a frame pack. A a frame pack the children. That that works out pretty well. When they can stand, they can get up. But the Bjorn, you know, it looks weird, but it's pretty uh, practical. I'll be calling you for advice.
6: (laughs) I (laughs) I don't know. I just know I got to keep the baby alive about as far as I've got.
7: I'm a, I'm a huge believer in people are very adaptable to their circumstances and surroundings. It's the same with, you know, I don't want to compare Forrest Gump to a person, but having him be so well socialized, he's able to be here on the show floor mm-hmm. and just hang out. And I think yeah. if we raise her being in that environment and always being out with us, she'll be used to it. So. Yeah.
6: Well, I've had so many buddies that are like, man, you're going to slow down now. I mean, we only know one speed, so we'll find out.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean so your situation is obviously different because you guys are this is literally it's a lifestyle but it's, it's your living yeah like it's not like you have nine to five jobs and you yeah. make this lifestyle yeah. and you make it work like so it's certainly different but I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys and how you pull it off yeah. and it's certainly going to be interesting
7: we'll figure it yeah. out it's going to be a bit weird for a while but Anyone we'll can figure do it, it out it'll
6: be you guys <laughs> there'll be some changes and it's been fun with lippert too because like in this space a lot of my buddies said what what's a lippert and I said, well, they own Ranch Hand and they all know Ranch Hand. Mm. So that's kind of the intro, but it's their first time supporting any hunting event like this and they're just learning and they love it so far.
0: Awesome. So hopefully we keep them good keep first them event here. to come to. You. Yeah,
7: Absolutely. I know. They were, they were like, what are we expecting? I said, a lot of turkey calls, a lot of rednecks, a lot of catamo. Mm. You guys are going to love it. And they're having a good time. So well,
6: they figured out but, pretty quick that turkey hunters travel. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. Turkey we hunters definitely have trucks do. and turkey hunters camp. So mm. yeah, more so than ever.
7: Well, one of the cool things with them is, so we're going to be this year, part of what we're doing. Doing with them is campground activations so we're going to be going around to a lot more campgrounds around the country mm. and introducing families and kids to our lifestyle so doing learn how to hunt learn how to put a fishing pole together learn how to create a campfire and more outdoor skills and that's really cool for us because that's something we've never had the opportunity to do but it makes sense and we all know outdoors men and women they're also rvers and that grew since the pandemic tremendously as well as did fishing and hunting licenses so we should have the ability now to kind of grow a bit more of the Outdoor sport while we're on the road as well
6: outreach yeah. on the go
7: yeah exactly <laughs> it's yeah. already
6: been a good opportunity to bridge the gap to a lot of people that yeah. just haven't been exposed to it yet they're and, not and against it and they're interested in it
0: that's then there there it is you know bringing it full circle as part of that storytelling ability and doing mm-hmm. it the way you guys do and and reaching those new audience like well, we know everyone here is here because. Here, they know our- and they, they love it we exactly. don't have to sell to them we don't have to preach to the choir it's the those those interactions you have when you pull up and you hook up and you know people see you and, and are curious or you engage them you know proactively like hey you know how's it going simple kind gesture and next thing you
7: know things are clicking and also through music too and so like we were down in florida for the florida rv expo zach and i had never been to an rv expo before in our lives so we were actually like little fish in a big pond but we brought down country music singer trey team and we'd actually just been duck hunting in uh, north carolina so we brought down all our our fresh duck meat Mm. and we had a campground activation where we brought trade to this spot where there were all the rvs he played and we cooked the wild duck for everybody and they all loved it all these people had never tried wild game before and they were like oh i don't know they all ended up eating it they loved it and now like since then so many of them have been like that duck was the best meat i've ever tried so i'm so excited to do that now going into this year and like just do it in such an authentic fun way you know so many of those
6: people being campers already they they love the outdoors sure and they love making memories with their families and creating experiences so it opened the door for a conversation with a lot of those people and they're asking and they're wanting us to take them on hunts so we're
0: trying to figure out how we can do more of that yeah Yeah, very cool yep well thanks for everything you guys do thanks for rearranging schedules and and scooting over here i'm going to release you guys the pub crawl was great. Seemed yeah. like everyone had a really good time. So thanks for uh, once again putting that on, and yeah. um, more more residuals to come from that, and that'll be released as we keep going forward. But again, thanks for everything you guys do for at,
7: the end of back it. Yeah. at you, Fred. We appreciate yeah. you. Yeah.
0: She flies out on April twentieth, so I'll call you about the twenty second hunt. I'm in. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> good.
7: Thanks, guys. Thanks, Fred.
0: Day three continues with TSS Ammo. Blake Rice steps into the booth. Blake, welcome, man. How are Appreciate you? Appreciate you having us. Good. Yeah, How thanks about for you? Coming? Good, good, good. Uh, are you in here or are you across the way? We're across the way. That's and what and I thought. a little
8: building over there hiding from the world. Yeah, there's know? a lot. of Well, I heard the place got mobbed pretty yeah, good. It and yesterday and today had picked up. There's the a lot day, of people. Uh, first day, I don't think anybody knew we were there. Yeah, It's going good today, though.
0: Yeah, I uh, I heard there's probably going to be some entertainment over there at some point. There is.
8: We're going to have Drake White with us in a little while, and then Riley Green will be in this afternoon. Yeah, right on. That should Sean, be a hoot. Sean Stimley's going to play in just a few minutes for us over there. Awesome. So uh, it's been pretty good. Bradley Bozeman with Carolina Panthers is over hanging out with me now. A good cool. buddy of mine. So right on. Just hanging
0: out, having a good time. So I, you know, we off air said uh, I'm, I'm continuing to learn as I as I go. You can never know everything in this this community, this industry, this there's so much changing and um, here you are so tell me more about your your company where you guys came from and all of a sudden you seem like the popping ma- on the
8: scene here. major players that's right so uh-huh. um, i started hand loading 8 or 10 years ago with yeah. some guys and uh, just kind of went from there covid got us and we'd got our license prior to covid and then covid got us with the mm-hmm. roller coaster ride and um, really after COVID kind of finished up, we got some investment money and started picking up steam and here we are. So we um, do tungsten loads. We're doing uh waterfowl and Turkey loads. And then we've got a predator and a big game loads. Yeah. It's, uh, it's how's the cool. supply chain leveled uh, out? Has it leveled out or are things
0: picking up? Or are you still yeah, it's rebounding?
8: Still, it's still a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think we have the same problem as rogue. I'm friends with those guys and some of the apex guys mm-hmm. doing, we're all doing basically the same thing. You know, it's a small niche market, but I think there's room for everybody here and, Hulls have become a big thing. Yeah, there's no U.S. manufacturer of hulls, so you're having to get them from overseas. And mm-hmm. like Husser Rogue, for example, uh, Spencer and those guys, they, uh, you know, you're not producing four, five, ten million hulls a year like Federal and these other guys. So we can't just go in here and power our way around. So mm-hmm. we're having to kind of team up with other guys and buy components here and there to get through the. Um, Surprisingly, the uh, tungsten chain has been okay coming out of China hmm. until they sent a balloon over to play with us. So then we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, right. So, exactly. That was my one of my turkey next loads questions. Now, you know,
0: you, you you hear statements like that, and I'm always compelled to ask why. You know, and especially you bring up China and so many things that you know people outside of you know everyday people everybody uh we depend on the power grid and you start looking at components and how things are built and you keep hearing this same line that we don't manufacture we don't manufacture anything in this no, country anymore and so, i don't understand i mean i to a point i i, I get the, the the cost of doing business but at some point something's got to give something has got to change someone's got to pick this up and be like we're going to manufacture holes in, in America US. because no one else is doing it, so we're going to do it. There's how does that work? Now it's very flippant to me to say no. There's no, there's no U.S. Process.
8: manufacture of holes. So how so. do you do it? Like, can someone do it? Uh, someone can do it. The re- we've looked into it. I think it's a thirty million dollar process to set up. Yeah. The problem, I think the the reason no one makes holes in the U.S. is Shadit in France is making. I would probably say sixty five percent of the holes in the world. Rio, which was maximum out of uh, Spain, was making them. Shadik bought out Rio and just shut them down. Uh, but we're buying a plastic haul delivered to the U.S. for four and a half cent. Yeah. So you're turning you. I think there's no. And apparently, it's an extremely dirty process to extrude that plastic mm. and weld the brass on there. I think there's no money, and you know you get Remington Federal. You know Remington's up and down with their buyouts and whatnot. So I think you get these companies and they would love to set up that operation however they control enough overseas they can get theirs Mm. and why set it up to make a tenth of a cent per hole sure sure if they can get it I think it kills the little guy Uh, but there's nothing that we get in the US most uh, some of the powders come from the US but your holes are all coming from we've actually got some coming out of Argentina now really and uh, that's been a little bit of a pain getting them out of Argentina so they're on the way now, but we've had to partner up with some other guys and do some lead loads and other things just to get our volume up, mm. to get enough holes. And uh, we're getting wads made in the U.S. at Claybuster up in Kentucky, but there's only four, three or four wad manufacturers in the U.S. And uh, Claybusters are doing all Federal's wads now. So, you know, a little guy like us trying to jump in on that, they're piecemealing us in where they can. But uh, that's really the only component coming from the U.S. is a wad, mm. and everything else is. Dependent upon overseas and then you get them into the port and Who knows what happens when you come through customs with yeah, anything? Gosh and uh, so it's been it's been very challenging But I, th- I do feel like it's opening up a little bit Everybody always asking the convention even walking around. They're like do you have any 410? Do you have any 410? No one can get 410. Yeah, and so at uh, Shot Show a few weeks back uh, in Vegas We're talking to Shadit, and we're like what about these 410 holes, but well, they're shipping them to a few guys But they're running 60% capacity overseas, Mm. and they're selling a 12-gauge or a 20-gauge hole for $0.06, but a 410 hole for two cents half cent. but they're selling all the 12 and 20s they can sell, so they don't even run their 410 equipment. And uh, so everybody thinks there's this giant crunch in ammo, and it's overseas that's killing us. There's no one in the U.S., us, Federal, Remington, Apex, Rogue, no one that's— necessarily u.s cutting back we just can't get the components 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 to make it work that's
0: a bummer man because it's i think you know obviously competition breeds uh better products always and it was nice to see specifically in the tss market more opportunity more opportunity to purchase more brands more purchasing power of my dollar so it's nice not one or two just controlling the entire market so when you couldn't find product X or Y like,
8: Oh, there's somebody else. There's this one. That's right. And there's room for everything. especially we don't see it in the Southeast because we're covered up in turkeys and ammo Mm. and everybody's in the Southeast, but you get out West and California, you can't shoot lead. You can't have any lead there. So they have to shoot dove, quail, turkeys, duck, pheasant, everything with a non-toxic. Right. You don't want to shoot dove or quail. not shooting
0: dove with TSS either. No.
8: And so (laughs) I don't know where that market goes. And I believe You know, I think we're on the front end of tungsten, to be honest with you. It's so new still. They think we're two and a half percent of the market. The entire tungsten industry is two and a half percent of the market right now. Mm -hmm. And California, New York, these places outlawing lead. I think in 10 years, tungsten is going to be 80 percent of the market. Is Bismuth another one? Bismuth's out there. You know, Bismuth was kind of a craze in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, I don't really know the deal with Bismuth, why it faded out. Uh, Other than price, it was really expensive. Now bismuth is cheap. Like Boss, for example, is doing a copper-plated bismuth, which is a really nice shot. Mm. But bismuth is irregular. It's not consistent in size. So. A lot of people don't like that, and it's a fairly dirty material. Yeah, maybe it's uh, that. And where's that come from overseas? It, no, it's the US, they manufacture some of that. So, here. bismuth is made, here, is made here. But no, yeah. one, wants but no one wants to use it. But no one wants to use it. Jeez, I'm proud. Well, the cost on bismuth, you know, I don't want to go into dollar for dollar, but the cost on bismuth is almost as much as tungsten's costing yeah. us now.
0: So, I mean, and I, I think I, I had seen that, which is why I, I asked. I was like, well, if, if you can't get this material, and you're telling me this stuff's here. We have it. That's right. Let's 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 try skinning a cat that's and then right. create more uh, opportunity for you as a business owner and a businessman trying to trying to get out there in that space uh, again. But I'm just a guy with a mic. Just that's asking right. Questions. Hey, but
8: you're <laughs> answering questions and asking questions and people are listening.
0: Yeah, no, And it's awesome. Um, you know, if it goes away, I guess then 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 what? Because now so many of our and I was talking to some some of the other uh, gun guys yesterday. So many of us gotten used to and set our very particular turkey rigs up for TSS. Right. Like we're particular, right? That's turkey right. hunters, we're very like nerdy about That's this right. stuff.
8: We set our guns up and we love to it to shoot this.
0: Yeah. And so if it goes away,
8: what are we gonna do? I, I, well, i thought the same thing, and we actually had a conversation with our. So there's. Uh, three Places that make tungsten in the world, and they're all in China. There's one manufacturer that's mainly making, I would say, 95% of the shot. And over there, you're buying it as ball bearings. You're not buying it as shot because they okay. won't ship it. They cannot ship it out of China if it's a weapon to the U.S., even though it's a Turkey weapon. Gotcha. It's still a weapon. And uh, so it leaves China as a ball bearing. It comes to the U.S. as a ball bearing. What you do with your ball bearings is up to you. So a little so, itty yeah, bitty tiny ball bearings. Number nine ball bearings. And... Uh, <laughs> gotcha. So, uh, our thought is we had this conversation with uh, our importer earlier, and I said, I don't know, should we team up with some of these other guys and try to import a mass amount? And just have a hold us here. for two or three years? Yeah. Because I feel like something's going to, I don't follow the world's politics, but something's going to happen here with China. And yeah, gonna, man. Somebody's going to get cut off here, and I feel like we're going to get cut off, or China's going to get vice versa. Or we had some stuff import from China last year, and they tried to impose a 42% tariff on it support and they tell you 42 percent you got a million dollar product i don't have the extra four hundred thousand dollars (laughs) it's crazy send it back or figure something out it's kind of where they're at and uh so they, they try to price you out of the market and uh i think that's the reason tungsten shells are so high it's just it's a pain i mean any of these other guys can speak on the same thing it's once the product's here making shells is easy anybody can make shells yeah it's figuring out how to source that product and get it here and jump the hoops to get it and it's not just getting it from overseas. You you free the port in China, and you get to the port in Savannah, and all of a sudden it says ammo, and it'll sit in customs for thirty days, sixty days, ninety days. They just shuffle your container around because it says ammo on it. Ugh. And um, you know, it doesn't. Not to like I said to get into politics, but four years ago it hit the port and came. No, off no the I house. mean it's it, you, you know, it's look, just, it is
0: what it is. I mean, because I, my mind went there too, and I'm wondering if this is now the the. The tit for tat uh we we got you now you're gonna get us and there's no pushback but yeah i mean not politics aside
8: it's just all you can do is purport the facts that's right and the facts are it was easier four years ago than it is now absolutely less tariff easier four years ago came on in i had a discussion with um actually with bradley bozeman from the carolina panthers yesterday we were sitting there and he said, somebody asked me, like, the government's going to take your guns. The government's not going to take your guns. The government's going to price you out of buying sure. ammo. That's exactly right. Because they're not going to break into your house, my house, and take our guns. We're not going to allow it or neither is America. Hmm. But if they outprice the ammo, so if uh, tungsten's $60 a box now and in 10 years it's $120 a box, your kids shoot because they're passionate and their dad was passionate yeah. but your grandkids don't know the granddad and so they get this gun and they're like ah, i'll shoot it twice yep. well, their kids have no idea and now there's a massive gun buyback in 50 years 60 mm-hmm. years these great grandkids are like i don't know what this is and it's 700 to shoot it i'm not going to go shoot yeah. it i'll sell it back to the governor yeah so they, just, so they just slowly just price you out of the market yep. and um, i think i was talking with um barry woods actually and He was saying the average age of the turkey hunter now or y'all's convention is 55 years old. So how do we get these kids involved? And um, I'm always doing youth hunts and taking kids and trying to get everybody I can, but you see it. I mean, looking out here today, you see it. The average age is just getting older and older and older. So at what point does y'all's organization start to fade away as well as hunting in general?
9: And
0: so how,
8: how do you get that person involved and how do you get that youth involved uh, I don't know how old you are, but when I grew up, I didn't play video games. I went hunting. I played in the woods. Yeah. played in the yard. Outside. And now you see kids you ride through a neighborhood. Does anyone There's live no here? One. There's no one in the yard. Nope. There's no one in the park. There's no one in the woods. And uh, we're just taking that away from the youth. And How do you get them back out there? And
0: So I, and a common thread that's gone on with these conversations this week is has been, you know, the, the ability uh, of storytelling and telling good stories and having those stories reach those every quote, non-endemic markets, Right. you know, we know what we got here in this right. building right now. We don't have to sell that, we, don't have to, we can tell that story because we like to That's have right. those conversations with each other. But to, to have people tell the story on our organization's behalf, it's not uh, something that I'm gonna give them a script and say, hey, go read this and do it on your socials. Right. I'm gonna ask you to tell the story of us your way. Right. and why it means so much to you and hopefully that impresses upon, you know, somebody else that that picks it up, sees it, it gets in front of you know, you got some pretty heavy hitters coming to play in your booth here later. One one of them is going to play tonight. later on tonight a big concert. You know, it's you can pay people to come do that stuff, but it's like if those people are into that, that's right. And having That kind of platform and when they can organically tell that story of why I go turkey hunting, why I was like, yeah, instead of going here in Nashville to play tonight, I went to this kind of private affair. That's right. But because I because there's that passion, you know, I'm I'm a hunter and I think the more commonplace that story is. The more you start getting into that that middle eighty, and it, and it should be commonplace. It was so many years ago. That's right. It's not,
8: but very recent history that it's not That's common. True. That's right. the The common hunting camps going away. Yeah. You know, as a child, you hung out in hunting camps, yeah. learned these stories, you heard these stories, and you know we shared deer camp this year with Riley Green. He came up and hunted with us. Chase Rice came up and hunted. Uh, Jared and Bullen, Sean Stimley, all these guys hunt with us. They're passionate about it. Everybody's like, oh, you're paying them to have No, they're friends. They, they yeah. want to hunt. They Just like you. Like, let's go hunt. Let's hang out. Let's yeah. be buddies and do what we love. And yeah. uh, you don't see that across the board anymore. It's just just kind of a, a guy hunting here and everybody's keeping everything a secret. Keeping it a secret. Take kids hunting. Take people hunting.
0: There's, there's other people's in our uh, – peoples. There's other folks in our space that are – picking this idea of of storytelling up and taking it to the next level. We've had some of them in here this week. I know like recently Cam Haynes has had some off the wall folks that he's put out on his social media that I was like, wow, I had no idea, but I'm glad that those people are feeling uh, safe enough to come, I guess, come forward and tell that part of their life and their story and, Mm -hmm. and not really kind of give a rip about what the social feedback could be because they know it's coming. It's like, okay, you either accept that, and own who you are and enthusiastically do so, or you, you hide in the shadows forever and never be true to yourself. That's I don't right. know. I don't wanna hide. Do you? I'm not gonna hide. Hell no. I'm
8: not gonna hide. And these guys are doing that. I mean, Riley um, Riley's a great example. Yeah. He's he's putting out on his social media that he's killing deer, that he's killing turkeys. Yeah. He gets that negative feeling. Sure. But he doesn't curve to the to the conservative and say, I'm not I'm not gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. He's gonna stay true to what he does. He hunts, he fishes, yeah. he loves life, he loves being outdoors. The same thing with Chase Rice and Sean Stimley, these guys are out here every day. And, uh, you know, I've had this conversation with them and their record labels are saying, no, 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 don't put this out. They're freaking handlers, right? Kind of doing the same thing. I mean, we look back at Hardy, for example. Hardy's great about it, great guy. And he's out here putting out and saying, this is what I do. I'm putting out this music and millions of followers, but I'm true to my roots. I'm gonna go hunting. I'm gonna post this on my social media, regardless of what my record label that's paying me $10 million a year says, this is me. Yeah, good I, for them. I think you're getting that pushback, and I think we've got to continue to push that out.
0: Their handlers need to understand you're going to make your money no matter what. If your talent's That's good right. and you're promoting them right, That's don't right. sit there and, and and put handcuffs on them because you. I think the authenticity reaches further. It may hurt them, uh, the handlers and the managers a little because they don't know how to handle that That's messaging. Well, right. up your game. Figure it out. Spin That's it. Right. Be a That's good right. storyteller. That's right. And and you, I think you people would just say they rally to it. Like, again, I I referenced that, um, that gal there from, uh, WWE with cam Haynes, like she took heat, but then a whole bunch of other people were like, Holy crap. I had no idea. That's right. I'm here to support you. How are we it's just we come out of the woodwork because we we take care of our own. It's a family.
8: That's right. And we're doing a lot with um, Georgia football because we're in Georgia. Yeah, man. Those guys I took uh, last year, Tate Ratledge, he's uh, their center. Mm-hmm. Probably go first round draft next year. Great guy. Never been hunting in his life. You mm. know? And uh, took him on a turkey hunt for the weekend. How'd that go? Oh, it's also Other than he was 380 pounds and I'm hiding behind a pine tree. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But he loved it, <laughs> you know. And so I've taken a couple other of those guys and then. Um, Tommy Townsend with the Chiefs was punter, just played in the Super Bowl, yeah. hanging out with him, doing things. And Same thing, he's these guys have grown up playing football and never, you know, sitting in a camp listening to these guys from yeah. Georgia, these NFL players, they said, as a child, I was, you know, obviously a giant baby. I wasn't that big as a kid. <laughs> so they probably pop out at 73 pounds. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> from day one, they were taught to play football, and they played football and yeah. football, football. And, like, Tate's a great example or Tommy. They're like, I, I never got to fish. I never got to hunt. Huh. Now they get this little bit of time and they're like, this is, they see us and just as friends. And they're like, I want to go try this. And these guys get out here and they're like, this is Good. amazing. You know? And so with that, you know, two or three NFL guys come by today the and they're like, man, Bradley and Cade uh, May has been telling me about it. We're going to turkey hunt with all this spring. And it's, yeah. it's not just the average guy. And so now these these sports figures are getting out. So if we can get those guys and telling it, a story yes. on a different platform.
0: Yes. In their own way. In That's their right. own words. It's Monumental, it really can be. Yeah, and so the country, keep having those conversations with yeah. them, asking and them.
8: The country guys, you expect, you know, or we expect these country music guys, and as a genre, you expect like that guy should be hunting, sure. that guy should be fishing, but this guy playing on the Super Bowl, you don't expect that guy no. to be in. You don't play. ask
0: because you're so hyper focused on the one profession that they're that they're That's at. right,
8: I, and uh, so I think that's an awesome avenue because so many kids look up to these guys. Totally, So man. many uh, young kids see that and they can portray this yeah, and show David it David
0: Andrews. Absolutely. <laughs> New England football Patriots Super Bowl champ. uh friend of mine and NWTF storyteller. Yeah. He's on board to tell our
8: story and, yeah, and move awesome. that around and he he loves it. He's just a regular dude from Georgia That's right. that happens to play football. That's exactly right. And uh, people don't realize that all of them, they're just a regular guy and they want to be treated like a regular yeah. guy. Go in restaurants, restaurant sit down and eat yep. without people attacking them. So No doubt, man. It's awesome. Well,
0: but, keep up the good work. Thanks, oh, think we're going to Probably send some folks over there and Perfect. put some uh, attention to your booth. Yeah, Sounds like it's worth
8: right? Yeah, come on over and uh, <laughs> we appreciate everything y'all do, man. We yeah. uh, we love it and try to do what we can and, and keep donate up. when we can and, yeah. and keep Thank everybody you. rolling.
0: Keep keep up the good work. Keep asking those hard questions and maybe not. I mean, you got their if they're friends, it's not hard questions, but you know, hey, ask them encouraging them. The them All they can do is say no. That's right. And when you get a bunch of yeses, like start. Start changing the world. That's right. I mean that.
8: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you. It's great to meet you.
0: Thanks for telling your story. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, We will definitely connect later (laughs) and do a more long form story. This is great. All right. Awesome, buddy. Thank you. Pick this back up on the third day (laughs) of convention. NWTF Convention Sports Show. Joined down by Nina Rogers. Welcome. Appreciate you cutting out some time it's a very busy time for you as i understand it so to get off the floor was arduous at best The uh, obstacle course just getting over here i do to the crowd
10: oh my gosh it you can you can't move anywhere in there it's ridiculous so this is kind of a breath of fresh air in a
0: great way though yes right right yes. especially for for the vendors that are out there
10: absolutely and for conservation efforts yeah,
0: no doubt so i was i was told to uh our, our our mutual friend sydney Broadway, our director of membership said you know He'd be a good interview. And I said, all right, I like a good interview. So lay it on me. What's your, what's your story and what's your conservation story and why NWTF? And, and why are you so giddy about being here?
10: <laughs> all right. Well, i um, Nina Rogers. I'm 26 years old. I was born. I was born in New Jersey, unfortunately. Um, you don't sound like it at all. I still say water, are sauce and coffee?
0: Oh, you held on to the coffee.
10: I held on to the coffee. Okay. I say, "Hey y'all, can you pass the meat sauce? I'm making breakfast. You want some coffee? I'm I'm putting sausages together. There you go. Like it's awful. And it, and when I get mad, <laughs> the jersey definitely comes okay. out. Okay, okay. I like to call it Jersey Sass Southern Class. So trademark that. <laughs> I should. You, you know, should trademark that. I'll put that on a t-shirt. Very good. So um, yeah. Well. My dad was in the Army for 21 years, and when he retired, he got us the heck out of that state. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to be 10 years old to hunt in New Jersey, and I was eight years old when we moved. So mm-hmm. um, I got my first BB gun when I was five years old, and I got my mm-hmm. first 22 long rifle when I was six, um, my first two forty-three when I was eight years old. So my dad was really big on teaching me gun safety at a very young age, mm-hmm. which I think is important because the sure. kids that play video games... And, and don't know anything about guns don't know the consequences of pulling a trigger so these kids that go and hunt they see what happens on the end of the barrel when you pull right. the trigger so i think they're more knowledgeable i think i think it's it's a really good thing to bring kids into the outdoors so i started hunting when i was 9 years old mm-hmm. um in tennessee and my first ever game animal was a red fox that's <laughs> a
0: bit random tell. Tell me about the hunt.
10: Okay, so. Why the red fox? Well, it was in season, and the first day we went, we didn't see anything. Mm -hmm. In Tennessee, it it barely snows, and this first time I ever went hunting on the youth weekend, we had two feet of snow. So, Dad didn't even want to go, but it was my first day. So, I'm sitting out there. We're going. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we're sitting out there, and just like a makeshift ground blind out of trees really just in between trees and it's it's the coldest day i would ever experienced um i took all of my dad's warm weather gear and he kept telling me to get in a sleeping bag and i was like no i can't kill a deer if i'm in a sleeping bag fair so we stayed out there all day didn't see anything um he he was miserable and shaking and trying to keep (laughs) me warm but i just wanted i wanted to get a deer i was like you can't kill one if you're not out here so next day we go to church and it was a beautiful day. It was sunny. The snow had already melted. And I was like, Daddy, it's a nice day. Can we go hunting again? And he said, all right, let's go. So we go. We sit. Don't see anything until it gets it, It's getting pretty dark. Still shooting light. And we see a fox coming down, down the hill and I go, dad, there's a fox. And he goes, you want to shoot? I said, can I? And he said, yeah, it's in season. So it's going. It's about 78 yards. I've got my 243. I'm following it. It won't stop moving. I'm not going to shoot a moving target as a little nine-year-old.
0: Sure, sure.
10: <laughs> I wouldn't do it now right, either. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so he he makes a little sound. He goes, "Me, me, me." Fox stops, looks up, and I go, boom, did I hit it? And he goes, you smoked it. From that day on, I was hooked. That was it. Yep. I had I had an interest in hunting from a very young age because my dad would go all the time and and me not being able to go. I just wanted to hang out with my daddy. He's my best friend, taught me everything I know. Um, I remember so eight and younger, I don't remember what year, but I was in New Jersey and it was my birthday, April 25th and it's turkey season obviously and my dad goes and leaves me on my birthday to go turkey hunting and he goes don't worry i promise i'll bring you back a birthday bird he kills the biggest bird he's ever killed on my birthday comes back gets a full body mount we've called it nina's birthday bird since so i've just been fascinated with that
0: did the turkeys come after the fox and after the birthday bird
10: so um i have four siblings so I'm the only one that really likes to hunt. And mm-hmm. then my baby brother kind of helped raise. So he does as well. So with my parents being spread so thin with their jobs and my other siblings to tend to, my dad and I did one deer hunt every year. So I learned okay. rifle deer hunting. But he did get me a little pop call to, to practice on at the house. It drove mama insane. Mm-hmm. But I learned how to, I, know, I learned how to do my yelps on a pot call and then in 2018 I started branching out and doing other things so I went on my first turkey hunts called a bird in the first time I ever went doing the things my daddy taught me Mm. I wasn't with him I've never turkey hunted with my dad um and I called birds in for other people before I ever took one down myself
1: no kidding good for you it was so
10: cool so when I first when I first got my bird, I was hooked. I just love the interaction between the birds. You don't often
0: hear it in the reverse like that, you know, uh, going out there and more or less playing guide before you even bag your own first bird. Normally you get yeah. to a, a certain point as you maturate through through your hunting career that you get a body cast, you go through, you, you go maybe travel, maybe get a slam if you're mm-hmm. so fortunate enough. And then you get to this point where you're like, now I like taking people. Now I like bringing out kids or bringing out emergent, I know, adult onset hunters, whatever you want to term it. And there's a satisfaction in that because you've satisfied that urge to go out there and and take game and, you know, go for your pursuits and set your own goals. So I've never really actually heard the inverse of that. So that's pretty neat.
10: I think I was too scared to move, honestly. So (laughs) I brought two people with guns and I had my pot call. And once I saw that bird, I wasn't moving. So I was just like, you know what? I'll call you shoot. (laughs) Hey, there's always value
0: in having a good caller. You know, some people can't call the, Call themselves out of a wet paper sack so uh <laughs> if you got someone that can that can call you're you're in it that's great
10: absolutely not. but
0: but is that not the case anymore now it's all up. let's go
10: yeah, now it's yeah, all like, course. let's go. Actually, uh, I took my friend Maggie Williams on her second bird ever in Tennessee, and we had to belly crawl like 200 yards to get a bird. Mm-hmm. So, And then we doubled up that day, came back uh, singing David Allen Coe in the truck with two birds in about three hours.
0: Perfect. That sounds like <laughs> a wonderful morning. So which, what's the spring lineup look like for you?
10: So I just moved out to New Mexico because of my job for the next couple of years. You move a year. lot. Yeah, so, um, yep, born in Jersey, raised in Tennessee. I went to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Mm -hmm. Then I graduated in 2019, got stationed in the Air Force in um, Montgomery, Alabama for the past three years. And then I just moved to New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico, in August. Hold on,
0: hold on, hold on. (laughs) I'm going to stop you right there because... First of all, I, I guess I'm showing my age. I'm looking at you and I'm like, there's no way she could have gone to the Air Force Academy, graduated, commissioned MSA. Are you currently active?
10: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I should oh. make captain this May.
0: Well, what's your what's your AFC?
10: I am an acquisitions officer. So program manager type of job. It's, it's kind of a boring desk job uh but i do have all weekends and federal holidays so. yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. No, so you're you're that other part of the air force so i was air force oh yeah yeah so awesome. 99 to 05, and uh so uh, now my my interest has peaked here right so we had our veterans breakfast this morning and it was uh it was fantastic i am I see that event so it's always very special to, to see a room full of vets so uh, good on you thank you for your service thanks for what you're currently doing even though you're probably you know wearing your blues every day and keeping it real in the office i'm kidding that's only because i was the grunt part of the air force uh security forces and you know i did it on purpose i wasn't like re back backed into it
10: so. <laughs> well i wanted to so my again my dad's my best friend and because he did army we sat down to talk about college and mm-hmm. they were like what do you want to do i was like i want to join the military and dad goes what branch And i was like dad I want to join the army just like you
0: he talked you right out of it
10: yeah didn't? he did he good said, for him uh uh-uh, oh, my He's daughter's not going army he quality said, of life yes exactly he said mm-hmm. air force treats you better in the navy there's two ways to die you burn to death and drown to death and
0: army
10: sucks <laughs> like, okay well, we force love
0: is. we love the army and the air force uh, <laughs> god bless it was born from it in 1947 so we you know certainly we know where our, our lineage is but um yeah that's awesome so how I guess being at full time like how do you move around so much like for for your hunting pursuits and stuff, you just oh man, quick hitters on the weekend.
10: Yes, because uh, I know I'm, how much
0: leave you get, and you don't get that.
10: Much. It's awful. I'm <laughs> I'm a weekend warrior. Yeah. I, I on Monday through Friday, I go to the gym before work. I hit work. I come home, cook dinner. I go to bed. I don't do anything during the weekend. Then Friday, I just hightail it in my truck to the closest area to go hunt something or fish something. And every single weekend's planned with a hunt or fishing trip. Mm-hmm. And that's how I get all my content on a weekend. And then I use that content for like the next three so
0: months. So the savvy captain to be uh captain select, it's not captain select at this point. Cause when you get to major, it would be like major select, right? Yes. So because you map again, you go through the process and you end up just earning it by time and time and service. But anyway, we're going down a, a wonky rabbit hole for the Air Force, <laughs> but it, it's worth, it's worth noting that. So you're a graduate of, of Colorado Springs. Yes, sir. So you're no dummy. I know what it takes to get into that school. I know the people that work there and that's pretty friggin' awesome. So good on you.
10: Or could be a smart looking dummy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is one of the hardest uh, educational institutions to get into. And it's oh, like, man. it is the best of the best. And like, that's, that's pretty impressive the stuff. And you're in sir. a great spot for hunting. So now you got to get yourself north to to clear or someone up there and they always need probably what you do for a job so you can really like step the the pursuits up uh being stationed in alaska
10: oh my gosh i want to do that so bad you
0: need to go to your orderly room and like listen we need to update this dream sheet here's where i need to go
10: (laughs) the only thing is alaska doesn't have turkey so i don't know about that one Uh, i would visit for sure
0: i think i would trade a couple years of being (laughs) stationed in alaska and getting some lifetime hunts out of the way and then have the rest of my days to you know gobbler chase but yeah you do you
10: that's that's true but i don't know i'm i'm gonna hustle enough to where i can yeah. go visit every good now for and you then. man that's
0: awesome so um with that so you you're, you've all i started asking this how we got down that rabbit hole of the air force so, <laughs> is so that, you're is that mount home what's no, what's uh what's in um kirtland, kirtland, kirtland that's right there's yeah.
10: three air force spaces over there but yeah. i'm at kirtland
0: very good so wh- what's your spring going to look like out there
10: Uh, Well, I already went scouting. I went to White Sands and did like a little 30-minute photo shoot thing or whatever. And I was like, all right, seen enough. Let's go scout for turkeys. And I found 12 longbeards. I'm not saying where, um, but they're all Miriam. So probably a couple of turkey hunts in in New Mexico. Um, Usually when I lived in Alabama the past three years, I'd start in Florida and just move my way up the United States um, as the turkey season took me. Uh, to try to to chase my slam but this year it's going to be a little bit more difficult so I might fly out a couple times to the southeast but definitely going to be hunting New Mexico probably Colorado Oklahoma and Texas for turkeys and then I've got a couple planned in Kentucky maybe Missouri maybe Alabama I've got my lifetime license I capitalized on that smart
5: move no doubt
10: (laughs) yeah Uh, I'd love to hunt to hunt Tennessee every year I'm from from Mm. East Tennessee so I just have to do it so basically what that'll look like is i'll sit down and i'll plan my season and i'll figure out my budget and and what i'm going to spend on conservation efforts with my licensing and my airplanes and and uh my my boyfriend's my best friend and he drives everywhere so i honestly like Mm. at the beginning of the season i drop all my stuff out with him so i could just fly and we can knock it out and he travels and meets me that's
0: a good support system that's awesome that's great You guys, you know, story tell all the way through and that's that's a good time, too. And it helps put what we do and what you do out there for for people to enjoy and hopefully, you know, continue to do it in the in a right, responsible way and impress upon people how great our community is.
10: Absolutely. And then another question you asked in the beginning before we went through the rabbit hole is why NWTF? Why am I yes. excited to be yeah. here? Let's,
0: let's wrap it up there.
10: NWTF is my favorite show. Yeah. And it's all about the networking. You're in a building with so many like-minded people. Hmm. I've made so many lifelong friends from coming here. It, it helps conservation like immensely it helps you find places to hunt with people (laughs) um it's really good to have connections in every state and i learned that through the military anywhere Mm -hmm. i go if i break down in my vehicle and i need need help in the military or through people that i meet through shows like Mm nwtf i can call somebody i can have somebody help me at any point
0: that's a very common theme through these conversations and talking with vets and in particular there is that that likeness of that camaraderie and that that esprit de corps that comes with being a veteran active duty or, or out and then being a turkey hunter, right? There's that association. There's those logos. Yes. As soon as I found out your air force (laughs) are instantly start clicking. We start talking about different things. I know the type of person you probably are. And then you you have the association with the NWTF. So like you're a stellar person. You can come to my house and eat dinner. And and that's, what's cool about this whole place is like, you could do that with almost anybody out here just knowing that they're NWTF members. Yeah. You want to come hunt?
1: Let's go. Because
0: I know you're probably a really squared away person, a good quality person. I know that your heart's in the right place and, and we take care of each other. And this is the biggest family reunion we got.
10: Oh, man, it's perfect. And I'm a huge, huge advocate for women and children in the mm. outdoors. So meeting these little kids that are looking yeah. up to me and, and do my little mouth turkey call. Here, I'll, I'll show you.
0: Go ahead. So- <laughs> Gilbert, look at this here. This is what we were talking about earlier. She <laughs> just rolled it over. I saw her. Go ahead, ask. <laughs> so, how do you
11: how do you get the how do you get the wraps
0: on the on, your on that Yelp?
10: I kind of bring it to the back of my mouth. So, so David Ellis, yacht, yacht. He's an awesome, stellar. Yeah, player.
0: we had Davis on the, sh- uh, Dave, on the y- Dave. David. Dave. Golly,
10: Dave's my mouth. <laughs> I'm done.
0: We're getting close Don't to the end. Too much. We had him on the show last year here at convention. He's yeah. He's a super dude.
10: He's awesome. So I looked at that. And I started. I started out with his yacht, yacht. So I'd go yacht, 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 Bring it back to the, the back it goes of my mouth, right to so the mouth. Yeah, ya, So it's it's all the back of the mouth
0: that
12: kill.
10: Um, no, not for me. But honestly, if I if I talk a lot and I start losing my my voice like I have right now, it helps the. You rasp. get
0: a good rasp. Yeah, yeah, it's like having a nice three read V cut. I,
10: yeah, <laughs> I, I sound like I've been smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. But <laughs> it's all this talking, I honestly don't sound like this. But yeah, helps the rasp. I'm a raspy old hen today.
0: Cool. Dana, thanks for carving out the time. I appreciate it. I'd like learning a little bit more about you. It was great. Thanks for your service. There. Continued success.
10: Thank you for being that part of awesome. my reason to serve.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> have have people not get intimidated by your microphone. Some people just clam right up.
13: I love a microphone personally. Just want to tell stories,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Maggie Williams joins us on the program now and we draw closer. To the end of day three of this here NWTF convention sports show. It's nice to have you. Thanks for carving out the time. We're going to. Well, Nina uh, keyed up a a story we're going to get into. What a 200 yard belly crawl for turkeys, which is cool. Oh, yeah. But I need to know first how uh, Miss Arkansas. Uh, found her way to the nwtf uh sports show and convention and turkey hunting and everything that it uh that it is and represents
13: so before i was a pageant girl i was a duck hunter oh i, I grew up i love duck hunting i'm from northeast arkansas and so i grew up hunting public with my dad and whenever i was about a freshman in high school i said okay this turkey hunting thing sounds pretty cool um and if you're from northeast arkansas you know that the turkey population is slim to none Yeah. so i was in ag class one day, and I was recruiting some guys I went to school with. I said, "Hey, I, I want a turkey hunt. Let's let turkey hunt." And someone said, "Well, my grandma has a Christmas tree farm. We will turkey hunt at her place." And I was like, "You know what? Done. I'm there." So there was four of us, and like the hunting the
0: Christmas tree farm,
13: hunting the Christmas tree farm. Now hold
0: on, I gotta ask because details are important to me in the storytelling. Okay. Is it? an actual balsam Christmas tree farm or is it that southern Abervite white cedar Christmas tree farm y'all shave them into Christmas trees
13: I'm gonna be totally honest with you I was only on the forester team in FFA for like two days
0: (laughs) it's okay I'm just I'm being silly keep going okay Christmas tree farm turkey hunting
13: we're at the Christmas tree farm we're turkey hunting and I'm a freshman in high school and it's me and three other boys from my ag class ag mechanics I think And so anyway, long story short, we all duck hunted. It was our first turkey hunt together. And so like the duck hunters, we were. I wish I had a video of it. It, I'm looking back. It's priceless. But we had set out a spread of decoys and we were all calling simultaneously like you would at ducks.
0: I've seen this phenomenon with you duck hunters. Yeah. You set decoy spreads like you're hunting ducks, which sometimes works out super well.
13: I wouldn't recommend in my experience.
0: Maybe not down there.
13: That was my first turkey hunting encounter. I was like 15. So.
0: And everyone's calling.
13: Everyone's calling. And obviously we had no turkey encounters because it was our first turkey hunt. But we were really gung-ho. And thankfully since then, I've had some education and I've had some luck in the turkey woods. <laughs> but yeah, it all started whenever I was in ag class and I recruited a few boys and said, hey, let's go turkey hunt, fellas. So
0: so here we are so here we are I got questions about duck hunting in Arkansas can you entertain me
13: I would love to entertain you why do you guys
0: like greenheads so much what is it about a mallard and, and folks in Arkansas that people pay so much money to go on guided hunts and because the reason why I'm asking is that's the only duck I have in New Hampshire. Our flyaway is terrible. It's on the way fringe of the eastern flyaway. Okay. All the cool ducks like go to, to you guys and go west. Cool. Ducks. And so yeah, like Mallard's, the weird ones. Mallards
13: are the cool ducks. But see, I
0: think those. I think I look at them like pigeons because there's so many of them where I live, and they're Stop like it. they're like park ducks. You no. Know? It's like you feed them the bread and the crackers, and they just come to you. And they're everywhere. I, I'm being funny and, and facetious, but I, I know they're, that they're valued. But I'm jealous because I feel like I would get into ducks more if there was more of a variety of species. We don't have them. Right. We got black duck that people like go bonkers for. Love a black duck. We can only kill one, two a day now because the population's really up. Right. Yeah. But so lots of greenheads, mallards, mallards, uh, black ducks where I live. Uh, and in the spring, this time of year, when stuff starts thawing, although never, nothing really iced up, we start getting the weird ducks. We'll get bluebills, rignecks, uh, <laughs> the, hooded meganzers. trash ducks. I, see, I think they're great. Those are trash. I think, <laughs> right, so uh, hold on. Hold on. Let's go down this road. <laughs> all right. I value a ruddy duck, a full blown drake ruddy duck. That's the one duck I want to kill more than anything. And I'm not a duck hunter, okay. but I, you know, enthusiastically would go after a ruddy duck. And I get told. It's a trash duck. Yeah. And I'm like, sure. why is it a trash duck? He's so cool. He's like, he's all stout and he's buff and he does cool stuff with his dabbler and stuff. Why is he a trash duck?
13: If it's not a mallard, a pintail or a teal, in my opinion, it's a trash duck.
0: So that is that. A, That's a,
13: controversial take, by the way.
0: It probably is. I'm starting a a, a thing here and I don't know what, what the waters I'm wading into is what you're telling me.
13: Absolutely. So yeah. I should
0: stop while I'm ahead and get back to the turkeys. Know the things you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun on <I'm>, controversy and <laughs> hunting why not I mean we've never not had that um and spoonbills super great duck right
13: um honestly spoonies are so much fun in a rice field I can oh, so they are good I can't even turn up my nose at a spoonie so I've got a cousin he's a rice farmer in, in north Arkansas and he is like a spoonie purist like I would love to call myself a mallard purist obviously I'm not um I will shoot any duck really but my cousin is like strictly a spoonie purist like he wants a limb in of They're
0: I, cool looking ducks. They are
13: fun. They do they, they do it right. They're they're a lot of fun.
0: I learned recently that um in your neck of the woods where you're from that people also look down on wood ducks. Is that true?
13: Yes. Why? What oh, is the thing? They're it's, beautiful. It's embarrassing to like have a wood duck on your strap, man. Like why? Because like they don't really decoy. I mean, they just run into your decoys. Like they aren't working. They're fast. Yeah, they're super fast. But like you don't really work wood ducks.
0: Oh man. I felt like I worked wood ducks.
13: <laughs> he said he's I work wood ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I put decoys up and they. Oh, so you've a wood duck call? Yeah. You are from the northeast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. I love it. I love the enthusiasm. They're
0: beautiful, and they're they always are, full of they're always full of uh, acorns and.
13: They are gorgeous, and the thing is, I would lie if I said I did not have a great time shooting
0: wood ducks. I think it's fascinating. This is an interesting commentary on on our community. Is like the the value systems regionally. Absolutely right? I just think that's neat I like chopping it up about that and I, I I can't get over the wood duck thing because I think it's you know next to a a lower 48 Harley that's <laughs> probably one of the most beautiful ducks that's so funny
13: to me I, and I know
0: juxtaposing the two is like just <laughs> heresy right
13: Kind of yeah probably I got yeah. a buddy
0: that lives on Washington State and guides for him and he's like it's just it's just where it's at and I'm like, dude yeah those in wood ducks and he's like, what
13: <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> That is so funny. You know,
0: I'm a turkey hunter and that's why I'm here. So, Uh. all right. So get back to the turkey. Thank you for indulging me and and educating me on the things I ought not be talking about when it comes to waterfowling. But I love it. A 200 yard belly crawl with our, our guest we just had. Talk, talk to me about this this turkey hunt. So,
13: how far of a the story did Nina get into the story?
0: She just said you guys got to start low-crawling low because you had to have these birds, and you oh. killed them, and then you started singing and truck rides, and so it worked out.
13: Oh, this is the best story of all time, by the way. So, I... I was a 2020 senior in high school during the COVID year. So I was like, okay, I'm definitely not going to college this fall. I can take off some Mm. school and hunt. Why would I pay in-school tuition to go online? Ridiculous. So I said, I'm going to travel the country and hunt. And that's what I did. And it was Easter. And I had been gone for weeks at this time. I started out in the East and I worked my way out to the West. And I, anyway, and I was in Tennessee on Easter and I, my mom had begged me to come home on Easter. And I was like, if I get a turkey on Easter, I'll be home. Anyway, I was like, I might be late at night, but I'll see you on Easter. And so anyway, Nina and I had been hunting hard for several days. And we had several close encounters with birds. And we were not able to close on a turkey. And so, I mean, we, first of all, we are E up with it. Because there was like a challenge at camp, like girls versus boys, like who's going to get on birds. And me and Nina are like, huh, I mean, obviously we have to beat the boys like
0: it's in the bag
13: and yeah and they had no faith in us they had absolutely no faith in us and i was like we're gonna show you where you're wrong anyway so we were hunting this property and there's a joke that we got gar hold we're like we haven't anyway hold on
0: hold on i gotta stop you there is gar also another poor species that i've endeared that is not endearing
13: uh yes okay
0: very good okay keep going
13: okay anyway <laughs> anyway we, we weren't really garhol. we just weren't we hadn't hadn't been able to um seal the deal so anyway lots of smack talk going on the pressure is on and we had not even left for lunch like the three days i'd been in tennessee like we would grind it out in the woods from daylight to dark scared to get up from a tree trying to close on a turkey and it's the last day. And I said, Nina, I am starving. Can we please? Like We had a really heartbreaking encounter that morning. She caught up a bird behind us and we're in really tight timber and we could not swing and get a shot mm. on this bird. And so by the time we swung, he was gone. And I was like, oh, we're heartbroken. I said, we have to go get lunch. We have to regroup and we're gonna come back. And so we're in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. It's Easter, I mean, morning or afternoon now. And we pull into the gas station. And as we're pulling in, Nina says, dear Lord, send us somebody to put us on a turkey. And we just laugh. I mean, we're just being silly at this point. We run in and I get my sugar free Red Bull and we come back out. We're getting gas. And this old man, he says, uh, you, you girls killed turkeys yet? And we said, no, sir. And he said, OK. And, you know, we're filling up my truck and he pulls out of the parking lot and he pulls back in. And he said, well, ladies, you know, I've, I've got a property. It's about five miles down the road and it's just loaded with long beards. You're more than welcome to go hunt it if you're interested. Came on. And... You know, I was like 18 at the time. I was a baby. But Nina, who's in the Air Force, I'm like, I got a bodyguard. I mean, (laughs) Nina Rogers, she'll kill you with a toothpick. She
0: did say she's a pencil pusher. So let's let's not over. I'm kidding.
13: (laughs) Nina's a tough girl. I was like, I, I was not scared to follow the strange man to his house on Easter Day. Fair and enough. Nina. I was like, yeah. I mean, that,
0: that's where my my dad brain is going. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? But Okay, Yeah, I mean, I,
13: I'm 18. I'm like, Nina, we cannot tell my parents what we're doing. Like, <laughs> I'm freaking out. And I trust her. I'm like, this is either going to be the best story ever or I'm going to be on a milk carton. <laughs> we follow this man to his house and his wife is there. His grandkids are there. And the wife had, I'm talking about my relationship with my father. We're very close and she had just lost her father. And so we kind of bond over how close we are. We both were to our fathers and she's crying and i'm praying over the wife of this gas station man and they're all eating easter lunch i mean it's like literally like kumbaya in the living room and so at this point he said well my son he's eating his easter supper right now but whenever he gets done he'll show you where the these are and i was like fair enough so he gets done he gets dressed and me and nina are just cutting up And we get suited up and he's like, All right girls, he said, we're gonna give it our best shot. So we pull up to this field, sure enough, there is a long beard, but we have to like belly crawl two hundred yards. And Nina, like I said, military trained. And me, I'm like a scrawny Five nine hundred fifteen pounds, sopping wet, 18-year-old girl. Like, there is nothing athletic about me. <laughs> but I will, I'll go hard for a turkey. Sure. So I am, like, belly crawling, trying to keep up with Nina Rogers. I mean, golly, make me feel like a chump. So, like, the pressure was on. And we belly crawl around this tree line. And, like, we're calling up this bird. And he pokes his head around. And Nina can see it before I can. He says, shoot him, Maggie. Shoot him, Maggie. Shoot him, Maggie. I said, not yet not yet and this hen she is like at this point four steps away from me like she like she's about to bust me any second and as soon as i see that redhead i pull the trigger and i kill this long beard at probably six steps i mean he was so close you could have grabbed mm-hmm. him and so that was after our 200 yard belly crawl and i mean we are excited we are ecstatic we are freaking out I'm like it's an easter miracle because we were just beat down and we're like, okay, wow, I can't believe, you know, it's the last day I I can make it home for, you know, Easter supper. And the son of the gas station man was like, well, we aren't done yet, need to kill a bird. And I was like, bro, do you turkey hunt? Uh-huh. Like, no, like after he just put me on turkey, I'm like, it is, it's hard. I mean, you don't just kill two birds in one day, like schedule it like that, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, yeah, we're gonna hunt hard for sure, but that's just really ambitious, you know, it's 2 p.m. He's like, we can do it, don't worry so we go back out to where we've been hunting before and anyway we we've got this strange man in my truck i mean we are singing like all the words to sweet home alabama he is vibing with us i mean we're having the best time ever and he's like i feel like i've known y'all for years we hop out of the truck we set up and i'm not kidding we're sitting for maybe 10 minutes just listening all right, and we hear a tom strike up and we're like you're kidding us you're literally kidding we're being taunted at this point and we're like let's just sit here for a second and so we're waiting it out and i'm not kidding this bird comes running i mean we barely yelp at him comes running in and nina who's like a 20 gauge and she snipes this bird at 75 yards with a 20 gauge running full speed at us and so i'm like my jaw is dropped I'm like, American sniper, Nina Rogers, just, first of all, just dropped this bird at 75 yards, sprinting, amazing. And then we're, like, freaking out. We're like, wait a second. We just doubled with a gas station, man. Son. (laughs) Like, we don't even know this guy on Easter Sunday. And we have no service. We're, like, out in the mountains of Tennessee. And we're like, this guy could have killed us. But the only thing that died was... Two long beard turkeys. I mean, we freak out. It was the best day ever. And... I mean, that man got a Christmas card from me that year. Oh, well, that's good. It was awesome.
0: Well, at least uh, your story ends well, and uh, there's consistency in what we've been talking about with our community being trustworthy, that if so someone knows you're a turkey hunter and they're looking to help, and, and especially, you know, the tens of thousands of people in this building, you could do that with probably yeah. any one of them, which is fantastic, and that's what we love about it.
13: It's a very special community, and we always like to say, you know, the good Lord threw us a bone, because Nina was like, yeah. send us somebody, put us on a turkey, and he was like, Sure enough, there
0: it is. Uh, wrapping it up here, uh, real quick. Uh, noticed uh, your association with uh, our sponsor of the, uh, one of our sponsors of this here program, Bass Pro Shops, um, and great supporter. Obviously, what's your association with them, and then what are you doing with them uh, during this convention?
13: So I am working with Bass Pro Shops. We are currently working to improve their women's line, their she mm-hmm. line. So I've been, cool. I've loved, been loving giving them feedback, and we're going to try to make the best female products on the market and yeah. i'm just very blessed to represent them and travel to places like the nwtf and support the best in the business it's been great
0: right on well we certainly appreciate uh, all their support from uh the major gifts to you know our humble little podcast that we have here to be able to storytell and that support so um awesome man well it was great to meet you and i appreciate you know setting me straight in the waterfowl world i won't look like such a <laughs> Such a muggle as it was when I talked to my duck hunting friends about the things I value over there, and, and oh, apparently Gilbert, uh, I, I'm out on the gar as well. I'm a, I'm a trash yeah, That's me okay. too, man. Hey, I mean,
13: I mean, no one's really a mallard purist.
0: There was there was one other thing I wanted to run past you while I had you. And I, I, I've lost it. Mm. Something about being trash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something <laughs> I something I value that is definitely probably worthless. Apparently, awesome I love possums.
13: (gasps) So possum, possum memes. Do you like possum memes?
0: I like possums, uh, you know, as a, you know, as a critter.
13: So I send possum memes like on a daily basis to my friends. (laughs) This is
0: a thing. Possum memes. Yes. You're a wealth of knowledge in 15 minutes. This is fantastic.
13: Life what is, is a, happening it's a, okay it's a possum, possum it says life is a tornado and i'm the cow spinning around for cinematic effect like <laughs> this is what i send to my friends in the morning like good morning from is Maddie. that cat
0: eating is he eating cat food
13: yeah but there's like a ton of possum memes
0: oh my gosh
13: like it's just funny like imagine a good morning message Did you ever
0: touch the possum
14: uh
0: yes it's like the softest fur especially when it's prime a lot of trappers so here back to my consistency of, of appreciating trash animals possums are often maligned mm-hmm. in a trap set because the people are good trappers like ah, it's just it's not worth my time and just wrecked a good set but it's the, some of the finest fur out there
13: big possum guy
0: they're great I love it I think they're cool critters Maggie was nice to meet you thanks for chopping it up with me thank you it for was very having entertaining. me well
13: this was a ball I love it good stuff same time next week yeah <laughs> let's do it
0: <laughs> safe travels. enjoy the rest of the show thank you All right.
2: Hey guys, this is Aaron with The Hunting Public. Each spring we head to the woods chasing turkeys and one overlooked product that we use religiously is Sawyer permethrin. We've used it for years to keep ticks off of us and it's worked extremely well. We don't like messing around with Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, anything like that. So I would highly recommend if you're a spring turkey hunter spending any time in warmer climates in the outdoors to use Sawyer permethrin. Learn about their advanced insect repellents and family of technical lightweight water filters at sawyer.com.
1: Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation.
3: Hey, y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you.
0: Oh, cool. Well, I hope I don't disappoint because I'm an awful first time to do this. I'm kidding. Uh, Aliyah Gardner joins us now here on the program. Again, working towards the end of day three, a very exciting day three. The electricity continues out there, all the excitement. Um, fair to say photographer, photog, videographer, Mm -hmm. your work precedes you. And you're also here with Camo Retro, which I told you when you came in off air. I have questions uh, mostly about acquisition, but we can get down there later. I'm very curious about your skills, your talent, uh, particularly, you know, all wildlife shooting, but when it comes to turkeys and really just making artful uh, content, you know, Mm -hmm. and then what, you know, a good eye is, is as far as shooting turkeys with a lens.
15: So, for me, I really haven't been doing it that long. Um, I was with somebody for a while who films for Chasing 49. Yeah. And they are amazing. They are with amazing. turkey stuff. So, I've been watching their stuff. I literally stalk their page mm-hmm. all the time to, like, take notes and kind of see how they do things. And I get a lot from just, like, watching people and how they film. And um, I haven't been turkey hunting that long. Um, I grew up a deer hunter um, with my daddy. And yeah. so um i guess it just takes for me just sitting out there and kind of seeing what i find to be beautiful about them Mm. and this year i'm very excited because we have we have a really busy spring planned um so i'm just excited to i have goals for myself of course every year with with footage and stuff so this year i really want um a full strut like spitting and drumming like in frame just all the beautiful colors um overcast lighting i really hope i get that shot this year um just kind of just showcase like how beautiful the bird is you yeah. know so i'm really hoping for that this year and um honestly it's 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 hard it's hard filming stuff like that i feel like i mean you have to be so still and they're so smart and then getting them close because i like close-up shots yeah so nothing far i don't really like far away stuff at all so i like up close the closer the better for me so yeah
0: I love the tight shots where you can really like you can see the detail like on mm-hmm. a, you can see the the little tiny whiskers coming off of a hen's mm-hmm. hen and you know every little wart and cruncle and you know mm-hmm. you can see the, the iris of the eye the the the, exactly. the sun hits it right and you can see all those great colors in there around the pu- it's amazing
15: it is they're like they're something else i remember it was i think two years ago i was hunting i haven't been able to hunt this year just because of me doing content so much like full-time now Mm -hmm. um the lord has really blessed me with some opportunities this year and i'm happy with that um i remember two years ago i really didn't know what spitting drumming sounded like Mm -hmm. so it just i mean everybody's told me like once you hear it you'll never forget that sound i remember one came i called one up and one came strutting in and I was like, "What is that sound?" I almost thought it was a snake, and I'm like, "Finally, it clicked." I'm like, "Wow, that's what that is." You never forget it. Yeah, it's great. It's crazy.
0: My kids love that. sound. Mm-hmm. they know they know they're in it.
15: Makes you go crazy. They it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> where's where's he at? He's coming. The
0: photography is so great because it's such an <clears throat> amazing way to tell a story mm-hmm. with a, with a single object, right? And that's what we're all about is is conveying our story and the importance and why we love. The turkey specifically here obviously this week so much and why you know we do what we do at nwtf and our members and our volunteers but it's it's such a crucial component especially you know as a content creator yourself on on social media and, and in other spaces that that's the hook right mm-hmm. to sit there and, and write out this soliloquy of why we love turkeys mm-hmm. is far more uh, easily encapsulated in a picture yeah, And even, even more so than video, right? Because it's just that instant, as soon as that person sees something that their eyes attracted to, I'm in on it. Mm-hmm. And now my 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 interest is peaked and I want to know more.
15: Yeah. So I I personally think it's really hard to tell a story, like I tell a good story with a video or a picture, whatever it is. I mean, every once in a while I get a really cool shot. And mm-hmm. I think it tells a good story if you sit there and think about it. Sure. But um, I think videography just like gives you a way to like really document what's going on and like capture the emotion and everything that goes on during the hunt or whether it be hunting or whatever other kind of videography I do. Like I, I branch out, do lots of stuff because it keeps you versatile. Sure. So it gives you like different ways to look at things like, oh, somebody may think that this is pretty, but I'm like, okay, but have you looked over here and look at this and like, um, all those things. So, um, I found it to be really challenging and I've enjoyed it. Um, it's been hard being a, a woman doing it um talk just, about that it's just
0: it's not it's not typical
15: no it's not it's not talked about enough and i feel like um there's so many like content creators just really incredible content creators out there and i feel like there's not many women doing it
0: let me back up and, and qualify that it's not typical in this space there's plenty of mm-hmm. female content creators in but, large part, you know,
15: not in the hunting uh, industry, but though. in the
0: hunting space.
15: Yeah, there's more and more now. They're starting yeah. to be some. I mean, I get messages all the time, but like, "Oh, what camera gear do you use?" And I'm just, I try to give them as many pointers as I can because I remember what it's like to be in their shoes. Like, no. want to do something, not know anything. So, um, what
0: was the what what was the thing that pushed you into it? How, how young were you when you figured out this is what you wanted to do?
15: Well, my daddy used to film their hunts, like, in Texas and stuff. Really? So, we've always, always talked about it. He always used to watch his old videos and stuff. And um, he's always been good on the camera. Well, a few years ago, when I first started turkey hunting, like I said, I didn't grow up doing it because he's not huge into it. Yeah. But um, I went down to South Georgia, and we hunted with some buddies down there. And one of them had a camera, and he got a really cool shot of me. And I'm like, it must be the coolest thing to be able to capture that. Yeah. So I guess a, about a year or so later, I ended up getting a cheaper camera and kind of filling it out, and then I ended up borrowing and borrowing an R6 like a um, maybe like t- eight ten months ago, and that really helped my content get a lot better. Um, and then I just now upgraded to an R5C, so that's I mean this spring is going to be awesome in yeah. the in the woods. I'm really excited. Um, but like I was saying, it's, it's been difficult as a woman, um, in the hunting industry just because of, I mean, like it being so like, there's so many men and then you have, you know, um, people being uncomfortable with it. Like, Oh, I don't know if I want a a girl in the woods with me or whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'm here to do my job. We're here to have a good time, be professional. Is it
0: the one-on-one aspect that makes them nervous? Like, I just don't, I, I don't understand why you, I'd be nervous.
15: Um, sometimes I think it's almost intimidation and sometimes i feel mm. like it makes their spouse uncomfortable or something like that sure i could see um, that and they yeah. gotta
0: act a certain way there's nothing there yeah. but
15: yeah yeah uh. and I, I understand that it's just it's hard to make people realize like you're just there to do your job yeah. and, and capture something really cool and yeah. then you're, you're on your way and that's, that's
0: unfortunate that's it. it's pretty unfair yeah.
15: it is and and i feel like the guys don't have to deal with that kind of stuff a lot which you know it's great and there's so many great uh men content creators in the hunting industry and stuff and i've learned a lot from a lot of them so i'm really trying to make it as a woman doing it and uh, a friend of mine Haley howard she's a photographer as well Mm. and we're starting a media company probably around april kansas um
0: what's the name of it can you tell us
15: uh wd productions what's it mean um, so she has a dog, and I have a dog, and we're combining the names to do WD. I think her name's Willa or Will
13: or cool. something. I
15: can't remember. But my dog's name's Dixie, so we're just combining those and doing a media company. But the idea is to down the road have all women doing the media and marketing.
0: So you're, you're, you're purposely going out and this is, this is going to be the brand. It's an all ladies Uh adventure. That's cool, man. I feel like that'd
15: be really, really cool. Pioneering and
0: pioneering that space, space within a space. Yeah. It's
15: going to be a grind.
0: Well, I don't think it is. I mean, if you got your talents, Mm -hmm. why would it be a grind?
15: And the professionalism and making connections and stuff. If if
0: your talent precedes you, it's just going to happen. There's the grind will be the workload Mm -hmm. that you, you take on and that you commit to, Mm -hmm. but your talent will and then does speak for itself i, I think you. you're going to be okay
15: thank you yeah i appreciate that um yeah hopefully it goes really well um i'm excited about it i think it'll be a really cool experience and i think it'll be cool to like teach all these women about not only our skill set what we've learned about marketing and helping each other and um seeing where that takes us all and seeing where the lord takes us so yeah well that's we're, awesome we're about it yeah
0: very yeah. cool yeah is there one in your uh, career so far uh, one species, uh, one setup you like shooting more than another, or are they all kind of just great and they're just different in and of themselves and it's hard to compare them?
15: If I had to pick something to film, it would be turkey just because yeah. they put on a really good show. Yeah. Um, duck hunting cool and all. It's a lot of action. Deer hunting is kind of hit or miss. You know, you never know when a buck's going to walk in, but you mm. can call turkeys in. They're vocal. I would say something similar would probably elk hunting yeah. turkeys because you I can would, call them in too during the rut. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, we do, we're do. we going to be doing all kinds of content, like not even, mainly hunting probably because we grew up doing that. That's what we love, but just branching off and being versatile and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Mm. So. When you break it, the space, and you go in there, and you guys start dominating the space mm-hmm. with your with your your uh, stable of talent,
5: mm-hmm. I would
0: challenge you: tell a story right. Yeah, do it right. Don't exactly. sensationalize it. Don't do what's been done. Do something new. You guys obviously got skill sets do something totally new that and blow our socks off I know. with amazing storytelling. That's what I'd love to see Trying from be you. That would around. be awesome.
15: I think, yeah, we've got some ideas in the works and set stuff. Set the world on fire. We got some stuff in mind, so we'll see cool. what the spring brand
0: Well, we so. won't ask any more questions. I don't <laughs> want to keep it all under under wraps. <laughs> keep no, on the DL. Yeah. No trade secrets. <laughs> um, as we're closing here on our set, um, you mentioned you're with Camo Retro. So Yes, sir. That brand is, it is a brand. It's blown up here in the last couple of years at Market least it has for me mm-hmm. here's my question how do you guys get this stuff where is it are people coming to you being like i just raided my granddad's basement and locker and i got all this cool stuff i don't know mm-hmm. what it is is that basically it or are you guys out like so- seeking it
15: so it's Logan Webster. He's out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. He, I'm pretty sure if I, if I have this correct, he goes around to like, um, he has people either give him stuff or sell him stuff or he'll find things at like yard sales and stuff in thrift stores. Mm. And he, um, he has a, uh, a storefront now in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And It's uh, a hell
0: of a collection for just it like is is.
15: He's got bombing around stuff. yard yeah. sales. I know, and um, so he has the marketplace. So people can you can list your old or new outdoor gear on there, and you can sell it, and he'll make a little bit of commission off of it. Of course, you know,
0: yeah.
15: um, it's a business, and it just it's like a it's like an eBay. for... So he's doing everything like on consignment out. for people. I mm-hmm.
0: yeah. ah, got it, got it, got it. It's okay, like right eBay in.
15: for that's gear. cool. Yeah,
0: i am bought a couple, purchased a button. What a terrible. I'm getting to the end, but I'm the terrible language. I've purchased a few items, uh, hard to find items. I couldn't believe they, cause I'm not, you know, normally I find them late at night and I'm scrolling mm. through and I'm like, Oh, that's gotta be sold. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's in my size. And it's, and I'll, I'll hit him up grab i've it never met can. i've never met him but he, he's always quick to respond and i appreciate that as a, yeah, as a business person he's an awesome
15: guy yeah he's really mm-hmm. really nice
0: we hit on major notes of of nostalgia right now like mm-hmm. there's this this hunger and thirst for it and i mean that's you can look at mossy oak what they've done mm-hmm. this week that's just totally blown everyone out the water and it's amazing energy but uh again with the Canemo retro and in finding these these actual relics. They're not reproduced uh reproduction relics. Like it's the real thing and they, they smell it. They can uh, tell stories as well. Yeah, they yeah. do tell stories. Mm-hmm. I'm certain. Uh I think that's and I well, I know that's what um the Hayes brothers and Mossy Oak are gonna do with that mm-hmm. best and you know, some of that other stuff. There's gonna be playing stories. Yeah, completely. It's amazing. So they're making history. And they need talented uh people to Photograph it and and be videographers to tell that story as well, right?
15: Exactly. Yeah, maybe get hooked up with them. That'd be awesome.
0: What's uh What's been the greatest thing so far of your convention?
15: hmm i love coming here just to network and stuff yeah i love meeting people yeah i love talking to people hear their stories and stuff. super easy to do, do. Here. and oh my gosh i know you meet so many cool people here and there's a lot of people with cameras around here so we get to talk and we get to talk about cameras and we can just go start on. start gear
0: on and on. gear uh, comparison and mm-hmm. yeah. and then
15: we have some some older gentlemen come by the booth and stuff and tell us stories about their old camo and all the things so i love hearing that stuff too
0: you just start yes. letting the the camera roll at that point Honestly, or or is it or do you should. need to or do you just separate yourself like i gotta take a break because yeah. you literally could have it on all the time
15: i know you gotta sometimes you gotta live in the especially moment especially here not everything needs to be on camera sure exactly you gotta live in the moment
0: yeah that's fair because there's a lot of that these days
5: mm-hmm.
0: i've done that i i think i've i've probably taken less pictures personally
5: mm-hmm.
0: because we do it for a job running social for exactly. the organization that i think this is the less i've done in in years here yeah but I've, i feel like i've my experiences and my interactions have been more pure. You live. And in I've, the had, moment, I've had I've had a good focus.
15: Better reputations and or better relationships, I should say. Yeah. And and you get to know people better when you just set the phone down and social media aside and just like get to talking and meaningful conversation and stuff. So
0: what's your favorite photo? I'm so I'm, I'm I got your Instagram up here. You got a favorite photo on here right now? Uh,
15: Actually, that's a good one.
0: I like that. That's a video, but
15: so it'd have to be either this one. Oh, that is pretty dope. Or this one. I just I love the moods. I'm a very dark editing person, yeah. so I just yeah. He he's the one that films for Chasing Forty Nine. His name is Miles Williamson. Okay, yeah, he's real real good. And yeah, that's nice. So, yeah, they do awesome work.
0: That's pretty. This one. I know. I
15: love the purple flowers. Where was the that? Contrast that was in Missouri, I believe. That's, that's we did a beautiful. little. A little road trip last year with 18 feathers and killed some birds and and took some cool pictures that was the main thing getting some cool pictures yeah well, so this year's about to be crazy
0: score. <laughs> one there. i know
15: i love that one oh,
0: awesome you can frame and sell that one for many people
15: i know i actually might hang that one up in my room oh. on a canvas
0: I that's think it'd good. look cute in there yeah, yeah. Lee Garner, thanks for stepping into the booth and, and spending time with us and telling a little bit about your story and good luck. I can't yes, wait sir. to follow up Thank and hear you. how you guys are breaking barriers.
15: I know. It's, it's fantastic. I to keep a lookout. i yeah,
0: Awesome. <laughs> thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of the convention. You
15: too. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I'm going to tell a good story. When I, when I was off rd <laughs> and i used to describe to people new england what it was like like the difference of the states because most of these guys and gals have like giant territories of like one state or the state's so damn big there's you know they got a portion of the state like, mm-hmm. uh, you know it's you know new england like these six little states and i was like hold on and would ask, you know describe it and i was like well i'm gonna lord of the rings this for you and new hampshire would be the shire Right, it yeah, makes sense. I, it totally makes sense. Vermont would be Rivendale where the elves live. Yeah. Uh, Maine would be the where green, the Green Mountains the elves, the do- elves. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Maine would be where the dwarves live. Yeah. Everyone's got a beard.
12: <laughs> Everybody's got a beard, and this all kinds of stories. And Massachusetts is freaking Mordor. Yeah, boy, <laughs> you nailed it there. Yes. And we all understand when you when you talk about you Mordor, you yeah. It
0: we love massachusetts mm. just at a distance we love their money <laughs> yeah yeah new hampshire i mean we do because they don't have sunday hunting and
12: yeah and they they
0: enthusiastically come over and kill our sunday turkeys
12: uh, and maine does
0: too we, that's yeah. the
12: best thing going for new hampshire yeah it's if, a if they it's ever a boom. allowed sunday hunting we new hampshire would be in trouble
0: personally and selfishly i'd love it to happen because i just would like to see my woods open up a little more and see less red plates on either mm. side um uh, but i digress i'm joined now <laughs> We're getting to it. Retired Lieutenant Wayne Saunders from the New Hampshire Fishing Game, my home state, the 603 conservation officer, uh, is joining us here with a uh, regional biologist. Is that still right? That's correct. All right. Cully McCurdy from West By God, Virginia, in the house. Man, how's convention treating you boys?
9: It's great. Well, it's, it's been great so far. <laughs> Stress level went down for me last night after the last law enforcement uh, activity commitment. And yeah. uh, from there on, it's just grunt work and work towards the end. So you've been on this LE side of convention for a long time. Talk about your assignments, Cully, and and uh, the programs you head up. Sure. Be glad to. About nine years ago, Bob Erickson, who's a retired uh, biologist from up in New York, mm-hmm. uh, he had brought me in a few years prior to that to assist him with uh, – coordinating the wildlife law enforcement activities here at convention uh with the intent that you know he knew he was going to be retiring in a couple years and he just wanted uh, there to be some continuity in the planning and uh for me to make all the contacts here with the tennessee wildlife resource agency which is just instrumental in the success Mm -hmm. of this program Uh, but basically my responsibilities which you know all employees have extended duties at convention uh but i coordinate the um dissemination information for state wildlife officers of the year uh, to be selected. And then those state officers are the respective nominees for our national wildlife officer mm-hmm. of the year. Um, when they come to convention, uh, there is a social that's uh, sponsored by the uh, wildlife association for the Tennessee uh, wildlife resource agency, the officers association. And then we have a law enforcement meeting, which adds a in-service type uh Part to the trip, which kind of justifies or at least adds reason for the agencies to support travel. So the officers can actually take information back to their agency counterparts, uh, you know, co-workers and provide some type of in-service training or information that's beneficial to the agency. Um, We bring in, you know, guest speakers on a variety of topics. It's a closed meeting for law enforcement only because some of the cases are still pending in courts Mm. and there may be some sensitive material. Uh, So it's a closed meeting with a luncheon and uh, we go through that process. And then at the awards gala, um, most all Recipients are aware of that they're going to receive an award, but the Law Enforcement Officer of the Year is, is uh, kind of a unicorn. That one's a surprise. Mm. Uh, it <laughs> is not announced until that night, so the officers in attendance and their Class 1 uniforms, we recognize them all um, as representatives from their respective states and nominees. And then we announce the national winner. so it's a great process and obviously an honor for me to be able to coordinate that and to have the trust and support of the organization to make sure that i can carry through and and give those guys and ladies the the honor and the respect uh, that they deserve the recognition most of all And that's i mean that's it's a great
0: program and and we we were talking yesterday wayne and myself about you know how the makeup of the state agencies some some are super heavy on the um the government side, you know, versus, you know, the policy people versus the law enforcement and the law enforcement ends up being a small part of the agency that does a lot of the bulk of the front facing work. When people think of the agency, they typically go right to the CEO or whatever, whatever you are in your state, whatever your title is for New Hampshire, their conservation officer, I call them CEO. So that's how we're going to roll for the rest of the show. Um, when I think of New Hampshire fishing Game, the first thing I think of is RCOs. Those are the guys and gals that are out there on the front lines working just ridiculous hours, small, mostly understaffed, that are helping to protect that resource and ensure that everyone out there is playing by the same rules on the same level playing field and that those that aren't that are taking advantage of these renewable resources that are set up by the other parts of the agency, right? So that it is a level playing field. Everyone has an equal chance to enjoy these resources. Well, I'm, whether I'm out digging clams or I'm shooting turkeys, there's a reason for all those bag limits. There's a reason for all these rules. And and, and they're the guys and gals out there doing it. So I'm so glad that we have this program to recognize them and, and recognize the good work. And especially, you know, some of the cases I've read over the years that people have won for just been incredibly just mind-boggling the stuff that people yeah, do. And sure. thank God, thank goodness the collar was made. Right. And they were able mm-hmm. to prosecute and, you know, put people at least take them out of the woods for, for doing this stuff. Now, again, uh, Wayne, no bias here uh, from New Hampshire, the great state of New Hampshire, live for your diet. New Hampshire. Yeah. I'll keep pumping the tires there. There um, you go. I like well, look, it. I'm. I'm. We're in Tennessee. I mean, we're headquartered in South Carolina. I don't get a, a lot of time to you know, really dote on my my lovely state, the Granite State. So it's nice to have. We'll keep it up. Then. Yeah, yeah, for nope, sure. Very proud New Hampshireites. <laughs> um, there's your resume is, is extensive. Your story is amazing. We're limited in time, so we want to cover why you're here, the organize organization
12: um, that you're here representing, that you now head up and well, I'm the interim executive director for international wildlife crime stoppers. Okay. So, and we are strategic partners with NWTF, which I want to say NWTF has got it right because I, you know, as I look at all these models and I see all these pie graphs for all these other nonprofits, mm. they miss law enforcement. And I, I, and this has changed since then the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation I walked into a a fundraiser for them and they had their pie graphs out there and (coughs) the the, the guy that was running it says uh, you don't seem happy and I'm like I'm not happy because I like look at your pie graph and he's like "What? well look at all the land we've you know saved look at all the biologists we've done and I said well you can do all the biologizing you want you can save all the land but there's important piece of the puzzle that's missing and it's law enforcement mm-hmm. because nothing can be successful without law enforcement but it's 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 a puzzle so sure you, you need those other one things complements as well the other exactly uh, yeah. and that's that's why it works in north america because that's our model right but a lot of nonprofits don't Consider that law enforcement. They figured the state's going to do everything that they need to be mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, we all know that the states don't do everything because they can't. Budgets go up, budgets yeah. go down, officers go up, officers go down. And what is important is getting information on wildlife crime. And that's our main focus at International Wildlife Crime Stoppers is to give game wardens across the country and Canada, you know, access to tools that they need and to, to, how to report. So to support their Operation Game thieves, their turn into poachers, their wildlife alerts, to support those type of agencies so the agency can get the information that they need on poaching, because we're only one eyes and one ears out there. Yeah. When you multiply that with sportsmen and women, uh, that quality, the people that can report and give you that information, man, that's the quality cases are made on information. And it feels like
0: that kind of reporting, right? Uh, citizen reporting. It's almost, at least in, in, in my estimation, it's different than like, you know, some people say, "Oh, you're snitching," right? This is this the simple, simpleton <laughs> way of pointing. it. You're snitching. Well, I'm not snitching on the the jerk at the end of my road that speeds past my house every day. Uh, conservationists, sportsmen and women. When they see wildlife violations, it's it's an affront, it's an assault on the the senses. It is to know that you just committed a a, flaw, a penalty in the, in the woods or on the waterways for something that we hold so dear and work our tails off to maintain, and we give our 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 license dollars to participate in that, and then we step it up and have more skin in the game by joining organizations like the NWTF, and mm-hmm. then we give more and we show up to banquets like that's not. That's that can't be without um, being recognized. So, like when you when you say Operation Game Thief and, and programs like that, it's di- it, it's just different. I don't know how else to say it. It's like the simpleton way of saying it, and it's and it's the right thing to do. I mean, it's always the right thing to do to report on law breaking But it's in in this instance, I feel like people shouldn't look at it as a I just ratted out someone in my neighborhood. Like, no, you took a person who was who was taking advantage of something that you can't get back like you know with the poaching you know some of yeah. these grotesque poaching cases that have been out there that some of them are just they, it's crazy to me the amount of, of animals they kill destroy want and waste all this stuff it just for the the thrill of pulling the trigger in, in most cases um you can't get that back man it's not like they stole a tv from walmart you can recover it insurance covers it you, you get the property right. back and someone goes and you know gets a misdemeanor whatever it is for shoplifting like you pull the trigger, it's dead. It's never coming back. Like this is, I mean, for me, it's more serious than maybe my bias is showing, but, uh, these, these programs should be supported enthusiastically. So, uh, by sportsmen and women, because we have a vested interest in it. It's our, it's everyone's resource, but we are the proprietors that we are the ones that are out there actively working to manage and having skin in the game. And, and most of us that take a field spring and fall and you're out there in the winter months, like you should, you should care.
12: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, see something, say something. And it could be anonymous. That's the beautiful yeah, thing about it. Is, you can call up. Point. We just got a tip. Uh, you know, I don't want to. It's a recent tip, but uh, from a bartender that overheard a conversation Really. and said, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is the information I got. And two weeks later, they're doing search warrants on it, which is, you know, they confirmed some of that information and they, they were able to make a case, a big case. So because she heard something and she said something and she was anonymous. So don't know the name. She's like, I 10 bar and uh, this is what I heard. Don't know anything about it. Don't know the people. But here it is. In so. your
0: experience, and you have great experience. What is, has there been studies on like the psyche of these people and, I, and I'm, I'm I'm serious I'm not yeah. being flippant because it seems like they're so arrogant in their acts and especially with social media as such a platform of communication they don't think twice about speaking life to their crimes at a bar mm-hmm. like you just you know said they don't think twice about look what I just did on social media like there's a there's a pride in it there's a psychosis in it I, I don't know man it seems like it just doesn't it doesn't compute to me it
12: doesn't make any sense like
0: if you did that and you're putting—I don't know—it's—it's yeah. it's so I think wild you're, to
12: me. you're right about the psyche because those are the people we can potentially catch, the the ones that want to brag, the yeah. ones that want to show, the ones that don't mind talking about it and want to share. It's the quiet poacher that goes out the back of his door and never tells anybody. Yeah. Um, and doesn't they exist, necessarily huh? want the big racks, but it's going to fill his freezer every year, and he's not going to buy a license to do it. He's going to fill his freezer. Those people are very tough to catch because they're not—they're not sharing it.
0: Is that that's do you think a lot of that comes from like so where we're from mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of that stuff that happens comes from a sense of entitlement yes it was it was this way when i was a kid and that's how i was brought up and by god that's how it's gonna stay i'm not i'm not bending and i'm not bending the knee to the fishing game i'm not doing that i'm just gonna do it because i can i've always done it that way and that's how it's
14: gonna be
12: Yep, yeah, i that, would agree that it's you know generational yes it's, they, it really is it really is and that's they're they're producing poachers that's that's what they're doing as as you grow up. And, you know, we got to break that chain and if we break that chain. And we have broken some of those chains. And I know it's, you it's, guys it's a have a story.
0: <laughs> I know a couple of very local ones. <laughs> and, and,
12: yeah. And, and some of them that are going to continue no matter. They don't get care. caught, get caught, get caught.
0: And, and so this is a great segue to something I wanted to ask you about. And I'm sure you get asked this all the time. Why, 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 why do we not have harsher, harsher
12: penalties for these crimes? Yeah, good. Good question. Some states have a lot harsher than than other states. Mm. It, I think that's it's, certainly a state
0: controlled issue, right?
12: Yeah, it's more of a social issue, um, mm. especially when you put the 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 prices up so high. are your local judges may think it's too high, and then they readjust things. Really. Uh, and then on the other hand, some don't think it's high enough, so they give them maximums. Really. Yes, and I've I've seen that on both. So, games.
0: like, even like with some of the maximum penalties, they're still. Well, I'm speaking out of turn, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it would seem like sometimes there's not enough. Like for, for me, it's like if you do it once, you should use your you should lose your privileges for life. Some of these repeat offenders like have the ability to still get a license. And in some period of time after waiting, they can still come back. And for me, it's a mortal sin as a conservationist. Like you just flag on the play, man, like yeah. you're done.
12: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not, not the case I mean and it's again state by state these are this is a state, state right by state issue, uh, absolutely right? Um there are some that get their licenses suspended for lifetimes Yeah, you know we're, we're seeing more and more of that nationwide but there are egregious and you know things that happen I love seeing the
0: cooperation between the agencies now mm. and where you would lose your license, say, in New Hampshire, but you wouldn't necessarily lose it in mass. But now agencies are working together like, yeah, uh, whatever the system is that, that it works in, is like you lost his license. And then, oh, well, you automatically, there's reciprocity
12: yeah. in other states. Which So that that's the Wildlife Violators Compact that had to be passed by law. And I'm happy to say, as of uh, this year, Massachusetts and Hawaii came on board. Good. All fifty states are oh. in that compact. Amen. Um, Good job. You no, know, that that's huge. And so, if you violate, like, if you baited turkeys, let's say, and you shot it, you got fined for baiting turkeys. That has to be if there's a state that allows baiting turkeys, you don't lose your license in that state. It has to be a similar law. Okay. And I think we can say baiting turkeys nationwide, Cully. Yes, pretty much as Uh, far as as I'm aware
0: of. I can't think of one state that would allow you to bait Turkey. Yeah.
12: Yeah, So nationwide, if you were baiting a Turkey and that's what you got your ticket for, you would lose your license for 50 states and and Canadian provinces. Yeah. So they're they're in the compact as well. So and that's a game changer. License license loss is a game changer because it doesn't matter how rich you are. Right. You know, and that's, you know, that's exactly the, the richer right. people love their license more than the poorer people. And it, it just it levels the playing field for everybody. It doesn't matter what you have. You lost your license and you can't spend, you know, twenty thousand dollars to get it back. Mm-hmm. It just isn't going to happen. Right. So, and if you don't have twenty thousand dollars to spend, you're going to lose it too. Mm. So it's 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 a great leveler, and I yeah. I, I love that about the license yeah. thing. Rich or poor, it doesn't matter. You can hire all the attorneys you want. Everything you're going to have the same license suspension. So, Colly, did you have something you looked like you wanted
9: no, to? I, I was just going to mention that you know just what you what you're speaking to uh, that reciprocal agreement you know on revocation you know that that segues perfectly into why we have a strategic partnership with with IWC Um, you know we're going across the state lines it resonates with our membership for this collaboration these officers are making contacts you know we had 30 plus states represented here this this week for this event Mm -hmm. you know if something comes up with the Lacey Act which is you know uh, involves across state Mm -hmm. you know lines uh, they have contacts people that they've met here that they can reach out to that could put them in contact so for the for the most part you know iwc WTF to a certain extent, we're a clearinghouse for these agencies mm. to where they can reciprocate information and, uh, you know, and through our technical committee, you know, those laws on baiting. Uh, you know, we have scientists, Turkey project leaders from all of our states that, you know, share this technology, this information, the the problems was associated with baiting and it, you know, it all ties together really well. Mm. And, and that's yeah. why it's so important for us to have strategic partnerships like we do yeah. with uh, IWC. Well, as per usual, NWTF leading the way, right? So right.
0: Yeah. What yeah.
12: we say, yeah. That, yep. That's awesome. And, and we need somebody like NWTF to lead the way to show by example, look, 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 look what you could do too,
5: mm-hmm.
12: you know, and the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation came on board and Good. you guys were using an example and I'm going to continue to use you as an example as the executive director. So, uh, you know, that's I'm just awesome. going to look, look at what NWTF does and, you know, let's let's all row this boat together and boy, yeah. we can do a, a lot together. More so than we can apart,
0: for sure. And what's great about you know our space is so much of this stuff is cookie cutter; it's repeatable. You don't have to be the first kid on the block to do it every time or reinvent it. Mm. And once someone figures it out, it's like, okay, let's let's implement that, and then refine your processes as you mature in the in the program. Right? I mean, that's easy to do. You can always adjust up or down, but you don't have to have this arduous task of. Starting from the bottom, like it's already done. We've done it. Yes. So just yeah. implement it.
12: Yeah, and look at the example, the success it's yeah. having. Yeah. You know, and we're we're sitting here, living proof that yeah. you know we're working together, and as two nonprofits, yeah, and and we're accomplishing something for conservation. Yeah. Law enforcement, because that's part of the puzzle. Yeah, uh, you have you have your biologists. You're you're managing your lands. You're purchasing lands. You're doing everything, and now we put that law enforcement there because yeah. we're helping on that. Otherwise, We've it's anarchy, it.
0: and then it's all then it's gone quick because gone. No one has self control. <laughs> yeah. It's human nature, right?
12: Uh, and, and you know, the best ideas that I ever had, I stole from somebody else. So, you know, to have other nonprofits look at this success and there's, and, there's
0: nothing wrong with it. Tip yeah. of the cap, good yeah, on you.
12: Exactly. And now
9: we're going to appreciate what you've done, and we're yeah. going to do good things with it. It's, yeah, uh, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't worry about who gets credit. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> you know? Put the ego
0: in your back pocket, man. Exactly. Let's let's move. Yeah, yeah, you and I. I mean, case in point. You and I both got started in podcasting, yeah, uh, from from one dude who was giving of his time and absolutely at one point or another. You and I recognized the the medium for what it was for different reasons and decided to employ it. Yeah. Uh, there there was no ego there. just no. sharing, forthcoming sharing and then, like,
12: ideas, and still does to this day. Things I get, things and, I
0: get to talk about, yeah. things stories I get to tell, and causes like we get to champion by virtue of this, and then same with you with the microphone. So yeah. it's. Yeah, man, he goes so,
12: overrated. No, very, not, very cool. Not so, into it. And, and you know, people want to listen to success stories or about you know game warden yep. things. Uh, you know, my podcast. Plug you it, know, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's hear it. Wardens Watch Podcast. Yeah, so. one of
0: the one of the better ones out there and quite popular, yeah. especially at the height of uh, of uh, Animal Planet. You know,
12: yes. riding shotgun with, N- with our Woods Law helped out my podcast I, a lot. I heard. I heard coming back. You you heard it on my podcast too. Uh, At least it was announced, kind of by the colonel. Is that where it was? That where my my hundredth episode? I had weasled out. It did. (laughs) Colonel Jordan was there and said, "Hey, they're coming back. They're doing some filming. Don't know where it's going to go, but um, and they have been back and they have done some filming. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know where it's going to go, but um, it may be back in the shoot. So we'll see. I love seeing the Grand State on on that. They do. I I feel like they do a good job with that program, and it's done so much for our state too. You know, Fred, yep. it, it's 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 highlighted us. we have people coming to New Hampshire now because of Northwood's law Yeah, because they see the beauty, they see the ocean, they and see the
0: accessibility. The you can be you can be skiing, you can be in the mountains hmm. in two hours or you can be at the beach in that same hour and a half, two hours. You can yeah. like hit it all. That's what's Pretty great good. about New England, but there's no turkeys out there. So stop coming. Yeah.
12: Okay. I won't, I won't even talk about that. Okay. <laughs> so I, well, made whatever it, Fred says, so I made that, I made that
0: mistake years ago. And I, my volunteers would call you when I was already like, can you shut up? Yeah. He yeah. stop, man. All of a sudden I'm all, well, it's certainly not just me pushing it. Words getting around. No, yeah. it's a, it's a treasure. We yeah. are, I would say a success story. Yeah. Well, for sure. But we're like 10, 10 or 12 years behind, you know, the South. The West in, in our Turkey restoration story and what we're living in, which is an advantage for us because we can see what's going on throughout the country with decline populations and, and working together mm-hmm. with agencies and, and and professionals like Cully. Like we can head that off and not have to experience that in the Northeast. And I pray to God that that's the case. And we're smart enough to get ahead of that and not have that problem. Uh, we got a good thing going up north. It's pretty awesome. One more uh, uh, LE question I want to I kick past you. Feel free to entertain it or not. <laughs> uh, I have been very passionate vocally, even when I was a, a, a commissioner for Stratford County in New Hampshire about, um, uh, finding legislators to champion, uh, legislation to amend state constitutions, to guarantee the right to hunt, fish, and trap. Now I've heard from law enforcement contacts that that can be cumbersome for law enforcement because how do you implement that? So going back to the cookie cutter model, I understand it's 20 some odd states have their state constitutions amended to guarantee at least hunting and trapping, uh, hunting and fishing, trapping some. Why can't we just do what these other states are doing and implement it? Because they obviously have a law enforcement mechanism for penalizing. And that was this a couple of professionals concerns was if it's a right, I can't take it away from you. So if you're a habitual offender, how do we punish? I don't know the, the legalese of it, but. I'm curious if you have a thought on it. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. I don't want to put you on the spot. No,
12: I, I think with 20 states have that already in place <laughs> that that those questions should have been asked, right. and should have been answered. So, why not? Why not make it right? I, I, I you know. My push. If, think, think if we didn't have the Second Amendment, where we would be today,
0: right? So my push behind this is right is is so much of this, and Colley can speak to this because he deals with this. is based on social credit in so many states. It's at the whims of the public, and that eighty percent, however yes. they view our community, mm-hmm. can make or break. The second part of our two sentence mission is is the preservation of our hunting heritage, right? So if if that is amended and that is a state right. You can't take it away, and the and the the ten percent crowd that hates our guts, they can who all they want and paint their signs and stand outside of the state capitals, but it's in the Constitution. Right. Again, I'm not a legal scholar, but that's
9: how I see it, mm-hmm. and I think it should be championed. Yeah you know, one one of the things associated with that is you know we have a huge voice. But there's nobody worse at writing letters and contacting legislative representatives than hunters. We're terrible at it. We, we, do a, we do a terrible job. Yeah. And and yeah, your data's right. You know, it's just when these things come up, the antis, they're they they they're organized. And, and mm-hmm. that's what they do. They write yes. letters. And if, you know, if something comes up on the East Coast. Because they're is, not hunting and fishing. Yeah, they're, 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 that's all they're right. doing and is writing letters. You know, you may well, they're not
0: a, doing anything but. Mm-hmm. They don't yes. even work.
9: Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, uh, we had a plan revision on one of the national forests that I worked on, um, you a few years ago and uh, there were 30,000 letters contesting the forest management plan from California for a national forest in West Virginia. Yeah. So, you know, the the and then they and come those, from Germany voices, and they come from England. And it's, you know, we, we just need to do a better job of, of being heard. And, yeah. um, you know, we're just terrible at it. And I think it has a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah. So 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 I'm clear. You don't see a law enforcement deficiency if that was the case.
12: I, I don't believe so. If 20, okay. if 20 other states have done that, they should have looked at that legality of that.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like it's just
9: a cut and paste. I mean, amend it however you need to for your state for certain laws. But mm-hmm. anyway. Well, you know, to say that you have a right to do something, you can lose your rights for sure. a lot of things. Felons okay. so lose their right to carry, exactly. they lose their right to you know, vote. It's, so it's not like that you're locked into, you know, in perpetuity. It's, yeah. You can lose your rights, and then it's hard to get them But back. they can't
0: you know, legislate can it away from you. They can't, you can't have an angry mob stand outside and just shout you down until you lose it. Right. Yeah. Guys, this is great. Yeah. I enjoyed it. We got to go. Our next guest uh, is sitting out there, so we're going to get them in and. Eventually, I'm going to pack this stuff up.
12: Great conversation, and thanks, so much. Uh, you know your your partnership and uh, the relationship we've built. I think is, is really important. Yeah. Just uh, coming down here, and uh, yeah, I'm if, glad you're
0: here, man. It's good to see you. Yeah, and and have you represent? I mean, this is this fantastic.
12: Yeah. Uh,
9: last thing I want to mention is obviously we mentioned uh, selection of our national officer of the year. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge uh, the first female. National Wildlife Officer of the Year that TNWTF has recognized, uh, uh, Officer Audrey Bush from uh, State of Arkansas. Awesome! So we want to congratulate her. Congrats! Um, what a what a credit to
12: what inspiring a, what an awesome young ladies officer all I across the country
9: to yeah. see what she because uh, it was stiff competition yeah. and uh, um, amazing resumes. But uh, you know, it was just and, such and am- I sat
12: next to her in our training and got to know Audrey a little, and she's outstanding uh, officer, and had a great conversation and uh, good deal. Yeah very humble lady very awesome, very awesome I'll have officer. to look at her
0: her package I'd be curious to see how she won that sounds yeah. pretty competitive no,
12: exactly. definitely
9: glad to share that yeah. maybe uh, you can get her on to your yeah position. well, well hey, we, we will no wait there's a line there
0: there's a line. <laughs> <laughs> there <you> Wayne <laughs> yeah. we will we will definitely do this because there is Ooh. so much more to uh oh, we just Lieutenant Wayne Saunders that I'd like to bring to you uh, his his personal stories and um you know what he's doing with Warden's Watch he's got a kid's book like retirement man chill out it's been busy <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much uh, for being here. Thanks for what you're doing and continued success. Great. Thanks for having me. Out collecting right now uh he is the wordsmith i'm just a
16: nothing i just
2: repeated
0: yeah
16: huh. that's fair enough
0: yeah yeah i'm an honest broker we're coming down to it folks this is it where we have a few more uh conversations to have but we welcome in at this point uh kyle green of the greenway outdoors and his team of talented dudes aj and ryan who are joining us
17: what's up boys what's going on Nothing much. Glad having a lot here. of fun how is nashville well, it's good. Well but, well, we're not convinced Nashville exists. We have so far we have not left the Aubrey Land. <laughs> no. Yes, yes correct. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we everyone talks about the strip, but we have yet to see it. We, so. we
16: enjoy it the way you do. Because I was up this morning about five AM yeah. and I'm seeing on Instagram your post, you're up at five A. M. Hell yeah. You and I were both killing it at the gym at the same time. Well everyone, everyone else here was sleeping. That's Woo, right. That's Woo. right.
0: It was nice because typically Saturday's uh <clears> uh a get after day for these, you know, some of these folks. They're either um, still in the condition they were a couple hours before four mm-hmm. o'clock, or they're coming out of that condition, trying to work it off because they got to go out there and work right yeah. and get their day right. And nobody today. It was
8: wonderful.
16: Yeah, I I, had, I was at the hotel gym and there wasn't a soul in there when yeah. I was there today. That's yeah,
0: great. So that was yeah. nice. It's the most under and when we, we get those surveys. I always say it, and we're you know road traveling, especially here, even even for a place as, as prestigious and as a destination as the Auckland. I always tell them. The biggest, the, the most deficient place in a hotel. I don't care if it's a Howard Johnson's, a Holiday Inn, or the Opryland. It's always the freaking gym.
16: Yeah. yeah. And
0: it's like, dude, level it up. At least let's get up to 100s and yeah. have your legs. your leg extension machines freaking work.
16: Yeah, I was stuck at 50, 50. 50s. Yeah. I can't.
0: Yeah. I can't. That's, I mean, not, I'm bragging here being a jerk, but I mean, I, I need more.
16: I was proud to say that I was even curling them. So that's, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's all we had.
0: <laughs> so so what's good? What brings you guys down here? I know we got a, a partnership we can talk about, right? We can announce that? Yeah. Yeah,
16: yeah well, um, two big ones. The first one being NWTF. So we just signed with the National Wild Turkey Federation. And uh, that came on the cusp of the fact that we just signed with the History Channel. Yeah. So we're coming to the outdoor block on the History Channel in the second half of 2023. We're super pumped about it. We're in the middle of filming it right now. So this was on our stop down to... Miami to film a, a Python hunting episode for that series. Yeah. Uh, after that series is on History, it's going to be moving to Hulu afterwards. So it's really exciting for us to finally have an opportunity to take our true conservation messaging uh, in our true outdoor show and what we believe to be true outdoor programming, and that is, a, you know, a reality show that happens to be about hunting and fishing, super educational, has a lot of conservation tied into it, and those messages. Um, And we're really excited about bringing that to such a mainstream television show. We were talking about it before this is really the only show to go mainstream to that level was Meat Eater. Sure. uh, And with Netflix. um, And now they've kind of broken off and doing their own thing. But for us, this is an opportunity to reach a brand new audience. People, if you watch the outdoor block, if you were sitting there on Saturday watching it right now, you'd see Mountain Men, Swamp People, Alone, those types of shows, which are great but they're more drama like so we're reaching an audience that's interested in the outdoors but probably isn't a member of NWTF yeah. probably isn't doesn't know that by hunting and fishing and buying a turkey license and buying outdoor equipment, that self-excise tax goes back towards conservation. The National Wild Turkey Federation, the $360,000 we just spent on seven new programs across six states, those types of programs that the NWTF is doing, they don't know that. Right. So we're reaching a new audience and bringing them into the outdoors. And at the end of the day, 60% of hunting and fishing licenses are sold to white males over the age of 55. If we don't replace that demographic, we're all going to be in big trouble in 10 years. Hmm. And I believe that this is the formula to do it
0: yeah i well said well stated and i don't even feel like i need to uh add anything to it so <laughs> i'm gonna hit stop now and just let you uh boys enjoy the gym <laughs> no, i'm kidding no that's great and and it's interesting the the programming that you that you uh referenced there because it is yeah it's very unnecessarily so in some instances um drama filled that yeah the people that do it like mountain man's a great uh example right i, I watched mountain man when it came out because i'm a trapper i'm, I'm a off season trapper right now because i got kids but eventually i'll start running my lines again because i just i love everything about it the tradition the woodsmanship the, the things you learn about being in the waterways or setting up sets for canines and things like that right so when you're watching mountain man like you you kind of know the bs if you're in it yeah
16: but i get the you gotta, you gotta have get, an entertainment part you, but, you gotta get the lawnmower started that's what we always say is like they're always trying to start a
0: lawnmower i, I am appreciative <laughs> i can sit there and be a a a a heady jerk about it and be like oh i know this and i know that and have a shitty attitude about it or i can appreciate that man there's main stream trapping content on friggin history channel
17: yeah right and to me that's pretty damn dope right yeah especially with something that's so it, controversial yeah it is it's it, it starting it to disappear so I mean, that's like what a lot of what we do is we're trying to bring that back to the younger generation the difference between us and those other shows is we're very educational we're trying to teach someone a to z how how do you do this entire process all over the u.s so like with the python hunting going out what do you need how are you going to do it what what did we learn on our trip how do you prepare it that'll all be in the show sure sure
0: so but i what i'm when i'm interested is the the communication part, the storytelling part of that. Right. And that's what I'm so big about. That's what this, this little humble show is all about is, and and the people we have that are storytellers for our organization. And and I've said this for a couple of interviews now is that, you know, when we work with people. I'm not giving you the company line. I'm not sending bullets to you. Or you're not getting company Kool-Aid. Uh, I'm having conversations with people like you and, and the people that are working with us because I see value in how they organically tell a story. And it comes from here, right? They mean it. And it's like, just, Go out there and tell it with the NWTF perspective, why NWTF or what NWTF does. Work that in and do that the way you do to your audience because your audience is way different than our audience. I don't need to preach to the choir. We already got them people. They're already here because they want to be here. Yep. That's why you have tens of thousands of people in this this biosphere that we're in this this dome. Uh, and that's why they come here and spend their hard-earned money and save it. This is their vacation for a lot of people. Like they're not they're not going skiing in Aspen for for February break or for Christmas break. Like they're here with us. It's a family reunion. They love it. Tell me more about how you're going to tell a good story, communicate in the NWTF mission, yeah. and what conservation is versus preservation. Because eighty percent. Has a hard time deciphering between conservation, the use of resources, renewable resources, and why it's important to manage versus putting a glass bulb around them and preserving them forever and never using it.
16: Right. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting point. I, if you look at the two different forms of outdoor content, you've got you've got the drama side, like we kind of talked no. about. Um, as far as what I would consider our competitors. But then you have outdoor media, you have the uh, outdoor networks that everyone's familiar with, and you have these kill shot, low production shows sure. that have kind of perpetuated the audience that's already here. But in order to bring the new people in and actually tell a dynamic story, I will say this, I'm sitting next to the two most talented people probably ever in television. And I know they'll take that yeah. as a super humble.
0: You're t- very consistent because I've seen I've seen you opine. Yeah, about the very yeah.
16: They, they truly are the best. Thank God. I saw it before anyone else did, Uh, but having them on the team and their passion for telling the story is, I think it comes through the chemistry of the team, right? So we're all best friends, we all travel together, we all, uh, we don't live together, but we basically do when it comes to the office. You know, if if I mess up something or I'm not telling a good story, they'll call me an idiot and tell me to do it again. So we have that chemistry that we can tell the story that way. As far as like tying that into the conservation from day one, we always talk about 60% of hunting and fishing licenses are sold the white males of the age of 55 and we mm. have to replace it. So in order to do that, we break it down in a super practical way for people that have never heard this stuff before. Frankly, I don't care whatsoever if one hunter or fisherman watches our show. What I want is everyone outside the industry to come into it. That's exactly right. So our content isn't for the hunter and fisherman. It's for new people that might be interested in it. And so in 1960 in Michigan, the national, the wild turkey was almost extinct. But because of hunters dollars, the National Wild Turkey Federation and the sale of hunting and fishing licenses and that self-excise tax. Now we have a huntable population. We never had that before. So every episode, because it's about a specific tactic for a specific species, we break down the conservation of that actual species in a storytelling platform like I just did. no. That makes it understandable for people. They're like, wait a minute. So if you join the National Wild Turkey Federation, you buy your hunting and fishing equipment, you buy a hunting and fishing license, all that money. There's more turkeys because you hunted. Wait a second. And Lord knows we might only get one. That's the, well, <laughs> so know?
0: that's the confusing part to them, right? They they have a hard time reconciling the the the, the calculus on that.
16: Well, and something deeper to that, I want to touch on this. Is It's an important point to me, is the only people that truly care about the animals and truly put the money in are the people that treat them like resources. Now you can say what you want about that, but if they're not utilized like a resource, you care so much about what's in your refrigerator. The people that are like, oh, it would be nice if no one caught fish and killed them. But they're not actually outputting the funding in to make the, sure the fish stocking aff- efforts are there, so more fish are there. If people weren't eating cows, and they're like, "Oh, it's so wrong, you're killing cows." Well, if we weren't eating them, they wouldn't be here. So d- they wouldn't be here at all. There's no value know what I'm system there. So right? It, there has to be a value. So we really work to attribute that in our content, but doing it in a way that the production quality is higher than National Geographic. So when people watch it, they're like, "This is movie-level quality." What a story and a connection. And the great thing about History Channel 2 is we do, we're do we still able to tie our Bible verse into every episode with the moral lesson that we learned in the field. So it's good for the whole family, and it's attainable for the whole family. Our competitors out there, the ones that have made it to mainstream that have done it, you know, there's a lot of swear words and, you know, beers and stuff like that, which I don't really have a problem with being around it. But for our content, we've kept it clean to the sense that it's good for the whole family to watch. Sure. And that was really important. That's great. Yeah. yeah.
17: And it's more digestible to the people who aren't involved in the community <clears throat> because I, but like we're talking about they've never they've never been around this stuff so right. you need to make it as obtainable as possible and easy to you process you got to
0: process it when you start using all the <clears throat> the lingo and you just start rapping like we're doing uh, it goes right over their yep. head and then you've yep. lost them in in an instant yeah and well, their their interest is gone
16: right? one one thing especially AJ's really capitalized on us as our director with our cooking studio is he's done a really good job of design, helping me design these great recipes and directing these recipes in a way that it's like, we have a beautiful state of the art cooking studio and we're showing people the field, to fork. So you're actually seeing every episode, whatever we got, how we cook it. But we're not just throwing it on a grill and salt and pepper and call it a day. We're doing like five star recipes that people are like, I would die to try that at an expensive yeah, cool. restaurant. And the whole point of that too is again, bringing in those different audiences in a different way. And these guys, as far as producing it, you know, it's 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 beautiful in our studio and it, it makes it it makes it more official, it makes it something that people genuinely want to try. And right now, like COVID kind of highlighted how weak our system actually is. Everyone thinks that America's completely stable and everything's safe. (laughs) Now, all of a sudden we see this and everyone wants to know where their food comes from. And and people are caring about where their food comes from and this organic push. So we've really capitalized on that market with that same audience that we're talking about who now are like, well, I want to keep chickens and I want to do this. Whereas a week ago they were a vegan, you know? And the science is out on that too, that, you know, uh, clean organic venison, buffalo, you know, moose, turkey, all these sorts of bear. things. Are the yeah, bear. The, My man. As far as got you. As far as good quality meat.
0: Fantastic. It's the facility. best you can eat for
16: your body. It's insane. And eating head to tail, eating the organs yeah. and that, that sort of thing too. Yeah. And that's where I mean, you can live off that. Whereas there's almost no plants you can live exclusively off of and get everything that you need.
0: You can get sick.
16: Yeah. I want to talk
0: about bear yeah
16: <laughs> Hit me, bro.
17: Well, we were just in Maine a couple times attempting to get a bear yeah. and uh, our fantastic partner out there, Chuck, uh, he made us some bear tacos the first time I
6: had
0: had it and um, it, it was a stellar. Couldn't yeah. believe it. it. Had like this sweetness
17: to it that I'm yeah. like, oh, this isn't normal.
0: Yeah.
16: If yeah. you hear bad things about bear right now, granted, we were eating uh bear in Maine that had no access to water and talk about good quality meat and the yeah. fat on it and everything. Yeah. We're actually gonna be going back in September again, hoping to to finally get one. But that's been
0: Where are you guys hunting in Maine? Presque Isle. Well you're going way up. Yeah. Yeah, close to right the up there border. by uh New Brunswick, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much cream. the tip.
16: Good tip. ice ice cream place there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, go up the street to Fort Kent. So you know yeah. the area. Yeah, I'm, I'm from New Hampshire. Oh, okay. So, so when you guys come you know through, Chuck? get me a bus. <laughs> <I'm> yeah, who, <laughs> I don't know Chuck. I don't. I know. So I do You're my first person that doesn't know him. So yeah. good. <laughs> I, I everywhere do, we go, they know him. I do my. Well, maybe. What's his last name?
16: Uh, Chuck know. Ainsworth.
0: It's, still don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, okay. I, it, I. I joke, but the, through the show system, uh, you, you know, you see these outfitters. So I, is it possible? But I do a lot of my stuff in like the western central part. So Jackman. Uh, Rangely area, in Eustis. It's a beautiful mountainous area on the western part of the state. Tons of bears, but lots of bears over there. And you're in blueberry country yep. uh, over there too, which adds to the sweetness of that meat. We were it's we insane. Were,
16: we were just there for a, a moose hunt as well. Yeah. Would you remember where that was? Ah, uh, no. And so, who did you get it? drawn?
0: Did you get drawn, or was yeah, somebody? Yeah. you got it. Yeah,
16: yeah, first year. What? First, first, year. Time. Yeah, it first, first time. Yeah. First time. Yeah. What was crazy about it, though, we got... <laughs> we got yeah, keep going. There was only two. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's the <laughs> so reaction more. from everybody. <laughs> yeah, first try. I don't Good know why for everyone doesn't
0: uh, do it. It's just jealous. We it's got a moose, too.
16: But yeah, the, and it was for an episode. I like to think God was involved in that. But basically, Probably. this area, at 1,600 square miles of paper company land, yeah. managed by the Department of Natural Resources. Well, in there, they have a big winter tick problem. Yes. So what they're doing is it's 80% mortality rate on moose. And this is a great conservation lesson too. And this is something we highlighted in the show. It's a good example of what you're talking about. So if we're looking at it and we've got 80% mortality rate, not because the ticks are passing disease. No, 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 no. Because of blood loss. Bloodlet That's how many vampires. Are there. Yeah. So because of Have that, you seen the
0: pictures. Yeah, man. We, yeah, I've seen the necropsies. It's, it's horrible. And to that point, like New Hampshire's heard when I moved back to New Hampshire, when I got out of the military and, in, um, in Oh five, um we were four to 600 tags for the state okay. plus out-of-state opportunities we're down to 11. whoa wow. okay. and that's to maintain the hunt because if you take it away it's hard to get it back yeah see the new hampshire bobcat yeah right so i go on I, people have heard this questing tick lesson but i want to hear it from you
16: yeah so the um the the ticks are killing all of the all of the moose Species feed,
0: specific, which is important to know.
16: Yeah, and it, it, that is very important to know. So they've done the studies on it to try and figure out what to do and basically they've come with borderline and eradication process where they mm-hmm. have to basically decimate the moose population that's there and then get it down to just about zero and then let the ticks die off and then introduce moose from surrounding areas back in mm-hmm. and then start it again. The nice thing is the habitat there is fantastic because it's a paper company. So they're doing clear cuts mm-hmm. every few years in the different areas. It's very well managed by the Department of Natural Resources there. The people we work with there at the DNR, were, or they call them fish and game there, but they were- and w. Yep, they were very, very nice people and uh, they have a great thing going, but we were able to actually harvest a, a female moose, mm-hmm. the biggest of the year so far too. And she was seven and a half years old. Cool. But talk about great meat and it's, that's going to be an that's episode fantastic. on History Channel actually. So awesome. Um, and we kind of cover the whole conservation. So that's a great example of an episode. Now we are doing one with you guys too, which is yeah. super exciting with the NWTF. So, so
0: what's that look like?
16: Uh, So I only know a little bit so far. It's still in the process of being set up, but I know yeah. that we're going to be in Texas. I know that there's going to be a lot of Spanish ruins. And I know that there's a lot of conservation efforts going on from NWTF there Mm -hmm. that we get to see the fruits of y'all's labor and highlight that in the show. And for that, I'm excited.
0: Talk more about I want to go back to the partnership and kind of put a bow on that because I want to make sure we're we're clear on uh, what we're doing together. And then we can continue to just uh, wrap because I enjoy doing that. So I know there's you guys are. You tell me what we're doing.
16: Yeah, so uh, I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs>
0: I have an idea but I don't want to say it wrong so Yeah, go ahead. it's
16: a, it's actually pretty monumental too yeah. because um, we had an opportunity too. We're kind of now I say this very humbly but the face of conservation for for History Channel and their distribu- their distribution. Mm-hmm. So, we're creating these five 1-minute videos that, and you have to hand this to History Channel, they're airing this and nobody else is, but they're um, basically these five conservation minutes and one of the conservation minutes is gonna be surrounding the NWTF and the goal is these things are gonna air 30 times on the network, not just during our slot, but yeah, all across all fantastic. different slots. They're gonna air and basically it'll be me hosting it and the goal is to teach that audience a conservation message, a quick one like I just did with Michigan on the, the Wild Turkey and talk about something specific that NWTF is doing but not only what they're doing, then what the audience can do to further conservation. So it's actually the goal is to engage and then, you know, start up a whole new audience. That's like, Oh my gosh, that's important. And, uh, and so we're circling one of those around national wild turkey federation. That's going to be on history channel. And we're going to film a few of them that you guys are actually going to be distributing on socials. And from there, we're gonna be involved in a lot of you guys' dinners, we're gonna be involved in your magazine, we're gonna be involved in your socials, we're gonna do a content creation with you guys, and, and vice versa, we're kind of we're doing the same for you. So it's like a, a from a PR standpoint, the real goal is this, and I'll be very transparent with you. If we do well on history for this first run and we retain a high audience, then they're gonna sign us again. So we need to bring everyone from the outdoor industry, i.e., NWTF's audience. We need to bring all those people into our show to watch it so we can make sure the numbers are high but all the new people that are coming to watch history channel anyway that stumble upon us mm. we're going to convert them and push them into nwtf yeah. so you're bringing them and we're pushing them and that's the goal is like that's the transparent goal for the two organizations yeah. and my goal is to bring that entire audience that 100 mm-hmm. of nwtf supporters that are here are watching our show on history channel but then the 100% of people that are watching the show, well, 50% of them have never heard of NGF, right. and my goal is to shove them right back in here. So when we come back next year, this is even bigger.
0: So two things at play there, right? So the one is everyone you see walking around here, and you may start figuring this out or putting this together, especially the partnership, is anybody that's associated with us in our partnership. You see all these logos around here and everything. This family out here. This family of nearly 200,000 enthusiastically rallied to the cause of those people, of those partners, of you guys now, right? Mm -hmm. And they will come and lift you up and welcome you into the flock and welcome you to the family. You're now family. So you got these guys and they're going to come and they're going to support you and they're going to lift you up. And that's really awesome and that's the power of our organization beyond the conservation, it's it's the community that we have. Nice. The other part of that is for you, and I suspect you're, you you guys are figuring it out with your talents, is the storytelling. And that's the common thread I've had through a lot of these talks over three days with the multitude of personalities from people that have been doing this stuff for 50 years and got it figured out. There you to, go. To you guys. Who are who are setting a new path, right? how how my partner Gilbert and I work together on social media and we work together on this product. It's different storytelling and it's real storytelling and it's got to be real so it hits you here in the feels so there's buy-in. It's not some homogenized Kool-Aid corporate talking point that you're going to get at a NASCAR victory yep. lane race. Yep. This is real and people are connecting. Robbie Kroger, I had him in here on day one and when I love what he's doing right now with Blood Origins. It's when he first started and your lawnmower pulling analogy had some heavy hitters now every time i look at who he's putting on, i'm like who the hell is that and i love that and he loves that that's the whole point of what nice. he's doing is who is that what's their story about mm-hmm. because these are real people these are real people that we ask every year can i have your 35 yeah. dollars we're gonna pay some money to facilitate your membership and then we're gonna take the remainder of that which is roughly 20 bucks and we're gonna match that on average five to one can you imagine the power of that? Right. And like you start that. pumping up those numbers and then what you guys are trying to do and now you got a whole giant community getting behind things.
16: Well, I tell you, you give me goosebumps saying what you're saying and it means the world to us too. Is like for us like we kind of kept our head down and kept ourselves sort of out of the industry if you will in the sense that all we cared about was how do we make ourselves the best we can possibly mm-hmm. be so that we can bring value when we're ready and it took us seven years but it's the same team that's been with me since day one my best friends the people that travel the world with me creating the show but we wanted it we didn't want to step into the spotlight until it was ready yeah. and that it was the best product possible we've been on network sportsman channel pursuit channel stuff like that but history channel to this level is such a big accomplishment for us, but we wanted it to be perfect. We wanted the production quality to be there. We wanted the storytelling and traveling the world and meeting all these people. Like you said, we mentioned Chuck, you haven't heard of them. So we, we just perpetuated exactly what you're saying yeah. because you haven't heard of him. But Chuck is probably one of the coolest people ever. Yeah. He'll be in the moose episode. You'll be laughing at his Lion King yeah. reference. It's great. You know, and mm-hmm. that's it. That's
0: be what up Chuck. Yeah, there you go.
16: Exactly. And that's, but highlighting that and the, the true people in the industry and creating those connections is what we're excited about. But thanking you guys for bringing us into that fold, seeing what we've worked so hard to create. And, uh, you know, my mom would love you for that. So
0: awesome. Well, we love making mom happy. I like making my mom happy, too. Uh, give me a rundown. What's what's the background? You didn't just wake up one day and decide to put this together and have the energy you have. What's your I want to know everyone's background. You're going to be super bummed. To hear yeah, that
16: that's kind of what happened. Um, <laughs> so actually, I, I guess I should say that. Um, so do you, you ever watch Park and Rec? I think I have.
17: I have.
0: It's no, great. No. You, can, you know, um, what's his face? His character, the, the town manager, when he comes in. Uh, what's Ron the, Swanson? No, not Swanson, the, the head guy. Oh. Uh, who's the kid from the 80s from the Brat Pack? A- a- Anthony Michael like Hall? No. Um, oh my gosh. I'll oh, forget it. It's lost now. But he's super like,
16: zing ready to go oh, yeah, i wake yeah. up and everything
0: is great i,
17: I get that sense
0: <laughs>
16: yeah oh yeah which the, is great they're they're used to that yeah, yeah. That. yeah. and what is ryan no, say no
17: one sleeps past seven if,
16: yeah,
17: if he's not sleeping you're not sleeping <laughs> yeah we gotta go
16: know. man we gotta go all right
0: so back back to the the backstory
16: yeah so back to the backstory so um my background was actually in tv production but none of us went to college so if that's what you're looking for we ain't got it uh great so, sounds yeah. good to me so yeah, far no, so we didn't waste any money But uh, our background was in television production, and uh, at 21, I was producing a medical talk show. I did get nominated for three Emmys uh, by the time I was 23, and um, that show I would have followed forever. But to be honest with you, they lost their moral compass, and I took a step back and said, what can I do that I truly care about in this industry because I love television, Hmm. and I love storytelling, like you're saying. And I took a step back and looked at all the data, and I said, man— 60% 60% of hunting and fishing licenses, it always comes back that. I say that number, they've heard it a billion times. It's all I care about. I'm like, man, we got about 10, 12 years to fix this problem. We all came together and we looked at it. We said, okay, well, let's look at how do we get millennials and Generation Z involved? Well, the two biggest forms of content for them was number one, reality shows, which you're not surprised by, but number two was cooking content. So we knew we had to include that as a part of the show. Also not
0: surprised by it. we yeah some of the top performance stuff still i'm actually kind of surprised it's still relevant
16: right honestly
0: with the attention span that's out there yeah and i'm glad it is because
16: i like to eat yeah you gotta eat every day though (laughs) you know um so anyhow we we took that information we said okay we want to have the conservation covered we want to have the greenway gear checklist covered so everything they need for the hunting or fishing trip and that's kind of how we designed it to be like a full all-encompassing thing always including the bible verse we can plant those mustard seeds as we go Mm -hmm. And we've always had God in the forefront and he's given us everything we have. And all we did was put our heads down and grind. So Ryan's 23. We started seven years ago. Wasn't super legal for him to be with us. That's, <laughs> the, that's how young we are, right? Yeah. So And then AJ, AJ was a little bit in movies and stuff like that. Yeah, back
6: in the day, uh, Michigan was a hotspot for cinema production. Really? So I dabbled in that for a little bit, and then it fizzled out. And,
17: uh, uh, you know, call fate luck whatever, but
6: yeah, no just... or whatever. There's no fate luck.
16: You want to get real? Let's get real. Here's what happened. We were looking for somebody to hire. <laughs> AJ came in and did an interview. He was the least qualified person out of 10 people. 10 people interviewed for that job. You know what he did the next day? He showed up and said, did you hire anyone else? I was like, "Uh, no, not yet. We haven't made a decision. He called the next day. Do you hire anyone yet? No, we haven't. Showed up the third day. I said, fine, you got the job. That's how we got here. There's no luck there. <laughs> Ryan was a kid, but you know what he did? He went out and filmed a Timberdoodle hunt. Do you know how damn hard it is to film a Timberdoodle? I sure This do. kid had Timberdoodle in focus, walking, made a video, went out with his dad, had no reason to do something well, but he didn't half-ass it. He went out there and produced something created a video for fun, but made it so good that I couldn't ignore this kid. So he came in, interviewed. That day, we brought him on. And ever since then, we've been blood brothers, doing everything together. We've been together since day one. We wake up earlier than everyone else. We go to bed later than everyone else. We travel the world telling stories. And all we care about is the fact that 60% of hunting and fishing licenses are sold to white males of the age of 55 I live sleep breathing. I got goosebumps right now. you talking about the people coming in. This is what, I, there's no luck here. They work harder than everyone and it's all I care about. So that's, I, no, we don't have a background. No, we don't have anything. We're just kids that only care about. Us. I
0: love, I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, it's no, all, There's no, there's no, um, checklist that you got to check, you know, no. just,
17: we well, they, they want that's you to great. think there is. But, yeah.
0: yeah, buck the system, man. Change the yeah. change the narrative. Well, that, exactly, that's
17: kind of how we roll. It's yeah. just we're all self taught. We we figured it out. I mean, fake it. Till you make it, and that's what we did. We just every day we're just studying how to. How can we make this better? How how can I film better? How can we just make a better story? How can our editing get better? And every year we do get better. You go upstairs to the point have, that we're on history. We happen <laughs> to
16: I <laughs> have a project. You go up there. They're both Google. You got to see this new thing we can get that can do this. This slider can go on that. If we attach this the car, it's going to look like movies. And they're obsessive about improving every single day. And that was been. That's our niche. It's like. All we're going to care about is production quality because no one in the industry does. You look yeah. at outdoor TV. No one cares about production quality. Like you said, you still call the NASCAR thing where everybody's my sponsor this, my sponsor that. Well, first of all, sponsors don't want that. The people that you see on the walls here, the ones you're talking about and the people that we care so deeply about and have these relationships with. They want organic product placement. So people want to watch the content, and not feel like they're watching a commercial. And big networks won't accept garbage like that. Mm. So that, that's been our formula. And I'm even reluctant to even get this. You, you got me. But I got passionate and stuff like that. But I'm reluctant to be that way because even like History Channel, these other networks and stuff, hopefully they don't even see this. But they think we have a big team. They think it's a big team. We have to. We didn't lie. We just didn't correct them. They think we got 30 t- people on their team like our competition that's on yeah. bigger networks. We don't have one hundred and eighty million well, dollars investing in us, but we outwork everyone.
0: You're, you're rent free right there on them, right? hundred yeah, percent. Good yep. for you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, exactly. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm glad they have the passion, this clear passion, great energy. Uh, sounds like the talent is all there. So go do good things, man. And let God guide you the way he's guiding you because it sounds like uh, you got your stuff lined up.
16: Well, we're grateful for you because you guys are, like I said, if we can bring the people in, we can bring the people in on this platform. But you guys are the ones that have to convert them into something that stays. You yeah. guys work very hard at that. And we're going to be working with you, too, as far as content creation. We got to talk with your team on our podcast today, too, and uh, talking about content creation, talking about how to videos, talking about things that we can do to continue to convert people once we bring them in from this new network and this new audience.
0: Fantastic. Well, we're the guys that'll end up with it. I'm excited. We're looking forward to working together. Yeah. For sure. And we'll see you
17: in New Hampshire. Yeah, dude, man. For sure. You guys roll through there. Holler at me. What's your... God, clearly we're talking about turkeys here but what's your favorite thing sounds like bear maybe so it's, it's super close to yeah.
0: turkey i heard a but knock but on the
16: table when you said yeah
17: <laughs> uh, It for real
0: dude and um i will tell you like start off with with the bear bait thing and it was what jazzed me up about that was the ability to watch animals just just observe Mm-hmm. Not pulling the trigger I mean I'd like to pull the trigger because I like to fill the tag and then have all that great meat but I got to see so many cool interactions with the bears and it's not super natural right because they're out there eating dunkin donuts or whatever the hell was in there yeah <laughs> but they I mean if there's a good master that's not happening right they they want the beach nuts they want all the natural forage over that crap they' they're, they're smart they're very dunkin smart donuts. and they're super they're super it's humbling true. too because like when those bears, they're, they're the way, they're made up. The physiology of a, of a bear, it's, it's it's to absorb sound. So you have this giant beast that walks through all this paper, you know, this potato chip land. And they don't make a sound, and all of a sudden it's. Like, That's why they call him the black ghost up there. They just appear. It's
9: like,
18: Oof.
0: there he is, and, there, and then you, then your stupid human brain tries to reconcile that. Yeah, this thing you see on nat geo or history like it's before you it's in the living flesh mm-hmm. so make a decision what do you want to do and now you got to like over and what so can it,
16: you do you know you have to outsmart them especially if you're bow hunting they're fantastic
0: so <clears throat> this year i took off because i still had some bear meat left but the season before uh, a good buddy took me up as a houndsman so when i was a fish and game commissioner i fought very hard on the behalf of the houndsman and you know i didn't i didn't have hounds, but it was because of a tradition and because we're all one community we fight for each other and he, he's like, man, I want I want to take you and let my dogs run a bear for you someday. And we did. And I'll tell you, there's nothing better than watching dogs run bears. Yep. It is mm. fantastic. And it, again, it's a slight inconvenience for the bear. They're no worse for the wear. They're up in the tree. You get to evaluate them. Cool bear. I'm not going to take it. We're moving on. There's a whole tradition to it. We could talk wow. for hours. I, I love turkey hunting is my number one answer to your question. But the bear hunting is like freaking right there. Nice. That, Sweet.
16: Ryan uh, trains bird dogs. So. Oh, dope. Yeah. So,
17: so. Timber doodles are your game. Yeah, that's really what I grew up doing was just grouse and woodcock yeah, yeah. or timber Doodle. But yeah, yeah um, German Shorthairs, those are my dogs. You know that's AJ DeRosa? A, no. Never heard of him? He's no. a good
0: buddy of mine. He, he does, um, he's a proprietor of Project Upland magazine.
17: Oh, nice. Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah. So AJ, a good buddy of mine, and uh, he brings his griffon yes. uh, down to, <laughs> oh, to my place. <laughs> and uh, we... I, I hit them to a, this a, this great spot with tons of woodcock. He didn't believe me. He's like, there's no way. And there's are yeah. splat everywhere. And we're like, bah, bah, bah. They're just going. It's great. Yeah. how do you fantastic.
16: Them?
0: It's a salt and pepper to me. Sorry to disappoint you.
16: No, no. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> Butter, salt and pepper. Like that thing eats by itself. I'm like,
17: oh my gosh, it's so good. Another good way to do them, the legs. Because usually people kind of look over the legs a little yep. bit. Um, cover them in uh, like real maple syrup. Yeah, yeah, and I do dig it, that. And do them over a fire, and it that it gets like that crispy glaze yep. over the top. No That's doubt. Oh, that sounds kind of wet. That's that hot. It. Yeah, you can almost leave. It. Just, He's never just done that do maple us. syrup. He's never done that. So, for so us there was, was a gal in here <laughs> earlier
0: from Arkansas that I was having a fun rat-a-tat with about my my ignorance of of quality of duck. Right, I'm not a duck hunter. I'll shoot ducks. I don't care, but I devalue mallards because they're everywhere in new hampshire in, in the northeast we're on the fringe of the flyway we don't yeah. get a lot of variety so i just like they're park ducks like you, you feed them crackers <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and bread and and some jerks will feed them alka seltzer which is terrible but it you know <laughs> i don't yeah, well, i don't did, find value in high school <laughs> yeah i don't find value <laughs> oh, yeah. in these birds they're, they're you shoot them they're okay to eat aesthetically i love a wood duck now i found out that down south that's a trash bird i was like you're kidding me that's that's not. And it's not true. Right? For wow. me, it was. But it was it was a fun back and forth. So to get to the food point, there's a point to this. I take wood duck breasts and I and I, you know, I sully them with salt and pepper <laughs> and I toast some bread. But keep it very simple. And I take a maple spread and the maple spread on the bread. Pfft, call it good. Nice. Oh,
16: so we have, clever. A, we have a we have we have a how to video on our outdoor education series on our YouTube channel and I'll send it to you. It's how to dry age ducks.
0: Yeah. Hit me with and, it. And, um,
16: so I'll be completely honest with you. People don't know what duck tastes he like.
0: He loves that stuff. Yeah,
16: they, they people think they know what duck tastes like, but the problem is you're eating all the blo- the blood, and that blood holds that pond flavor yeah. in the meat. If you dry age it, just like beef, you dry age it for seven days. There's a video that we made on exactly how to do it. it walks you through every step. When you do it, his brother's been hunting ducks for years. Yeah, I got him to do it. He goes now i can't do anything else so, it's, all right
0: so we'll do it for goose It's
16: yeah yeah it's life-changing okay although you need a big-ass fridge but yeah, <laughs> yeah. because it's like, i'm out
0: on goose like the, yeah. they taste like crap and let i'm me, just like let me
16: tell you this and she's probably she's probably gonna end up hearing this my 10 year old niece her favorite food because i prepare it this way is goose her favorite all right, bring she, it. yeah i'm like
17: i like getting things changed that's I'm fine like, with me
16: but if you can sell a 10 year old you can sell anybody on food. That's you know? the other
17: thing with the show too, is like we do so many weird things. People I don't I don't like Venison. I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm totally convinced now you can make anything taste good. Of course. If Except you do it. that
16: muskrat was not good. Yeah, we did muskrat. Muskrat's a little, it was little pondy, a little rough. muddy. Rough. Pond, really? yeah <laughs> you
0: yeah. a know, lot of cattails man <laughs> i would have drank
16: a pond before eating that again
0: <laughs> <laughs> now beaver on the other hand as yeah. a beaver connoisseur over there oh, yeah, but I yeah, I yeah it's,
16: it's fine i'm, I'm trying to make clear. a berber, beaver coat soon so uh yeah he's gonna be doing a lot of trapping. aj got really into fur recently oh uh, good you two need to connect there's, tra- there's content there did you try okay. that tail i've had it I, he's he just cured one cured one okay i see that yeah, we had it and we had it with butter. Granted, Ray Hoodie cooked it, but oh, uh, man. I, I know. But it was—I didn't—I didn't like it. It was just straight fat it, to me. It
0: tastes like fish if not done right. It's very fishy. That's what I had. Okay, so
16: not done right is the key.
0: Yeah, yeah. I haven't done the cured thing, but he said it was very good. Hey, man, you want
16: to get together and eat some beaver together? Let me know. We'll we'll try. Here's the puns (laughs) that he hates. He hates. He's such a purist.
0: When I used to trap and post my beaver trap in my water sets, i get all these trapping beaver puns, and I was like, "Ah, It's it's, Saturday.
11: It's it's easy. (laughs) It's
0: such low-hanging fruit. you got to try harder than that. Yeah, it's funny. Fair enough. Dudes, it was awesome to meet you guys. I can't wait to work together. Continue success. Keep up the energy. Tell good stories, please. Thank yep. you. Do we good will. Work. We'll do our we'll best. Make proud. Heck yeah, man. We're looking forward to it. Thanks Thank for coming you. in, guys. Thank, Thank you.
11: you. I did find out last night that somebody does your trapping for you. Hey. Wait a second. Hold on. But I'm talking long. Some guy last night said, "Do you know Aubrey Mack?" He's like, "Yeah, I trapped all his coyotes on his property." And I'm thinking, all that time I thought you were the trapper. <laughs> I
14: don't know. He lied to you. <laughs> okay. Because the guy that I go with ain't here. All right. Let's let's. <laughs> he's out. He's out in Texas. All right. Let's go live.
0: Aubrey, Ricky, and Daryl. We're missing Renard. We're sorry he's not here. Yep. You know uh, he had a loss of the family we talked about yesterday, but. Yeah. Welcome to the Turkey Call All Access podcast. Second to last of the day. You guys are not getting me at 100%. I'll be straight up with you. It has been a long three days of these interviews. I didn't think it was going to take us toll, but I just went upstairs to put a fire out, came back and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> uh, I tried to hydrate, but nevertheless, I'm super stoked to have you guys. It's nice to meet you guys in person, have you sit down. Uh, the whole crew is not represented, but they will be. Um, and we've been introducing our nwtf storytellers of which officially 24 7 hunt is and we're so proud and happy to have you on board and, and tell our story the way you guys tell stories awesome it's um it's a it's a partnership that we're, we're looking forward to and engaging with over this spring uh did he did you guys talk to gilbert you must have been we were opining uh last week about your gear the mark the duck and we're like man that'd be pretty super awesome if they came out with a turkey yes and then he then he starts designing one he's like well he's like i'm pretty sure i could put one together that would and i said but we can't because you know stylistically it'll look too close and then like the next day boom you guys dropped it and i was like <laughs> and he said they're in our heads I like i ah, mean we're in their heads but either way <laughs> so i'm very pleased to see all the turkey centric or gear or at least the turkey logo coming out what's what's in store for this spring guys
11: a lot of turkey travel, dude yeah. turkey where um, are you going we i think are going to start off well, in georgia i think georgia opens up first for uh for renard he'll probably take the point on that yeah um so we'll for sure be in georgia last year uh renard hunted out in tennessee and absolutely loved it so i know he'll 100 percent be back for that you um, guys aren't all in georgia though so help help oh, no.
0: bring me up to speed
11: w- ricky where are you from i am from lafayette louisiana okay you, i'm
0: Arkansas, arkansas and i'm from georgia Okay. Yeah. yeah. great So you guys are all kind of down there in that area, but you're covering a lot of space. Yes. Okay. Sure. Very good. Turkey hunter? Yes, sir. Turkey hunter? Absolutely. Hell yeah. And you were just, you know, we—I was recording, so I got some good candid stuff. But you were <laughs> yucking it up about trapping and and doing some preseason work. You guys all run steel and then then get no, after I it, run, and I run two dogs. Oh. Yeah. We were just having a great conversation about bear hounds because I'm in New Hampshire and we run hounds after awesome. bear and. Nothing, nothing sweeter than Washington Hounds work.
18: Yeah,
0: and we got some passionate coon coon houndsmen around here in this very building that I know of for sure. Yeah, I love it. <clears throat> I
18: try to go as much as I can, but new baby, I didn't got to get as much this year. But that that, that,
0: that will Keep put a damper on it. But see, you got to get the. I was joking. So, um, do you know uh, Mary and Zach uh, Phillips from Country Outdoors? Yeah, Mary's getting ready to have a baby, and they're just as insane as everyone else about <laughs> turkeys. <laughs> mm. And like, what are you gonna do when you have this baby? And I'm looking at Zach. And he says, oh, we're just going to figure it out. So, no, you're going to get a baby Bjorn, <laughs> or you're going to get a, a frame pack. And when they get older, they can stand in it yeah. that's what I did. And you take them out with you. And then you can, you can run the, the – the, it's nighttime, so they'll
11: probably be asleep. It'll yeah. kind of work that's out. That's so funny, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, give us yeah. – you know, I know we're the, the whole day kind of got flipped, turned upside down, and I, I want to give it a, uh, a good go here. But I want the audience to know uh, – where did it come from? How did the group come together? How do you guys know each other? And what is, what is your goals and aspirations? Uh, you're a super talented group, you guys. Your storytelling is great. The music is fun. It's got a cool hunting twist on it. It's totally different than you know anything that's out there, which we love. How did how does this all come together?
11: Well, I guess I'll start, man. Uh, Ricky Nicholas, feel Louisiana. Um, I'll start by saying, you know social media is probably where it all started. Mm-hmm. I'm in the military and mm-hmm. I got sci- assigned to a two week school out there in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. So I remember seeing Daryl more on Instagram and I knew he was a college kid. I knew he was absolutely addicted to mallets. So I was like, man, when I get out there, I'm gonna send Daryl a message. And when, you know, we get that weekend pass, so I called Daryl that week, I was like, hey man, let's, let's do it. And he, he lined it all up and we linked up that morning, and we went hunting and it's just been kind of crazy ever since. So being a Louisiana guy, Arkansas always had seven days additional hunting than we did, so whenever I would shut down, I'd finish out with uh, Daryl in Arkansas. And that was kind of the thing, and it just slowly evolved to not being the last week to more hunts during the week. Um, and I want to say somewhere around what 2017,
18: uh, you introduced me to Renar. Yeah, it was like <clears throat> it was like 2017 because 2016, Renar sent me a message on Instagram, and uh, he was like, "Man, we gotta get a to hunt together." And uh, me and Ricky, we were already hunting for a couple of years then and uh, I told Rick and I was like man what this dude you think he wants to hunt and Rick's like <laughs> I don't know what do you think about him you know because Renard has that Atlanta swag to him you know <laughs> and I'm like man why not you know uh, so that hunting's hunting yeah so we messaged a couple a couple times and man, we were hunting and I was killing some ducks. I man, We were beating them down. And I kept sending Renard pictures. I'm like, man, you got to come. You got to come. He was in Arkansas. But he had his dad and like a bunch of people with him. And he was sick. He was sick. I mean, it was like a week straight. I was sending him pictures every day. He, they were there. They weren't killing hardly anything. And we were killing them. Like, "Do you got to come with us. And um, the next year, we got together. It was like opening week. I mentioned him. Oh, day four of the morning. I was like, man, let's hunt. He's like, I'm on my way. And uh, <laughs> we linked up. And dude, since then, I mean, probably five times I haven't hunted with him in the wow. morning on it yeah holy
1: smokes
0: yeah
11: that's exactly. a lot of duck hunting yeah. and what's unique about that team man Daryl used to do 60 day seasons as a college kid I don't know what you were going to what school at the time I was going to UCA in Conway there's, so he-
0: a, there's a commonality amongst duck hunters and turkeys that we're insanely fanatic about yeah Bam. one or another But it's not often you have someone that appreciates both that it it bleeds together. Yep. Yeah. That's you.
18: Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I was on, like Rick said, like in college. mean, that's all of you guys. Yeah. I mean, I was on literally 60 days. Like when Duxie's open, there was no class. There was no nothing. There was, I'm going hunting. I'm sleeping at the ramp all the way to the next morning. Uh You know, he's too broke to drive back and forth. (laughs) (laughs)
11: Man, I'm going to admit, I think Daryl and Renard are a little more crazy yeah. about it than, than I am and but they brought me to their level. Yeah yeah because Daryl like whenever he said hey man I'm about to ride two hours to check a water level I was like yeah, we don't do that when we, you know. <laughs> and it, and it just it brought my game up a little bit to, yeah, to be yeah. on his level yeah. and, and you know they were just willing to do things that other guys weren't willing to do for i I'm not
0: willing to drive two hours to check on he is willing to drive oh, two hours to I'll do, a water
11: I'll, I would do it to roost a bird though. I'll, <laughs> I'll ro- the same thing. Yeah,
0: yeah right that's why we got our yeah. own crazy right <laughs> yeah
14: so, how did Aubrey, how did you get in the, the next? So, I came in, what, was like, what, 2019 when I first met y'all? Yeah, um, it's for for, uh, he, he runs a lot of quail dogs. Yeah, I do a lot of quail hunting. Oh, okay. Hunting. So, uh, they came down, first time we met, you know, we, we just clicked. You know, we we're all, you know, Renard, because me and Renard are from the same town. So Okay. Uh, we actually worked together. I worked for his dad. And uh, so after that, you know, we met and when I was like, you know, at the time I was working for somebody else and he's like, man, you need to come home with us. I said, like, man, my job wouldn't really allow me to travel like like we needed to. Sure. So, the, you know, weekend after weekend, he was steadily send me pictures, you know, ducks. The guys I'm just like, razzing like, oh each <laughs> So finally, you know, uh, you know, I was talking with, you know, with my wife and, you know, two years ago, I, I took a job with his dad and ever since then, we've been, we've been grinding every season. That's so awesome. it allowed me to hunt a lot more than I was able to. So yeah. The big denominator
11: that I've been able to kind of identify is the right amount of free time from work. Don't take a lot of money, but they have to be willing to spend all their money on it. <laughs> and uh, just just not scared, man. Like, cause we might start off in Arkansas and it might be pretty rough and they'll be like, hey, let's, let's push up to Kansas. Yeah, you know, and not everybody can, you know, do that due to either finances or you know their current career or family obligations. Yeah, yeah. So those guys and how they're situated in life is a big contributing factor to how we're able to run the way we do.
0: Yeah. So. The the content again and the storytelling that you guys have, the four of you come together and then you know add kid rid on that when he jumps in with you you guys saw me fanboy out the other day and i'm gonna i'm gonna come back to it that very irritated new england patriots fan and i I want him to stay forever because i enjoyed his skill set um it's just fun man you guys are having fun that's what this should be and when we're storytelling and you're communicating a a a conservation message or why you guys do it it doesn't always have to be so heady we got a lot of heady people, we got a lot of professionals, and, and they're really good at what they're doing. It's, it's taking some of that information and getting it to good storytellers like yourselves and putting that out there to other audiences. Like, not the people in here. Like, there's tens of thousands of people in here that we're all at the same church, we get that. right? But the people that you with your music, the uniqueness of your music you can infect with, with your message and the ability to, some kid may see that or hear a, a rap about friggin' duck hunting and be like, huh? But he got his head start spinning. Like, well, maybe that's for me. Right. Maybe there's not a certain uh, stereotype I need to fit in, and maybe I can do what those guys are doing. And then it starts changing. That's what people say changing. the most,
11: man. Is man, y'all look like y'all having fun. Y'all like y'all are having. You fun. guys always look like you're and having fun. That is fun, always yeah. the foundation of every trip, man. It's just fun. We're
14: yeah. Always
18: having fun.
11: <laughs>
14: no matter <laughs> what's the point else, right? No matter what no circumstances, else, we're gonna have fun. You
0: know. Yep. Do you have fun when someone does your trapping for you?
18: Oh, yeah. I
0: get
11: get excited for it. I promise you, somebody (laughs) on Broadway told me they trap Aubrey Max. I I'm just picking
14: up. See, that's the thing. You know, they want to say they do stuff for us, you know, and and, and I'll let it. And you did something for us. But, you know, when the truth comes out, they just, hey,
18: they get caught in that lie. So. Hey, I'm just gonna say, I'm never mad. If anybody's trapping, killing coons, coyotes, whatever, keep doing it because that's more turkeys I can kill. Heck Be yeah, back. man. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm with you. No, and it's it's a great management tool. and We understand that, and it's certainly, uh, you know, Cuz Strickland had him in here talking about him and his grandsons getting after it, running dog proofs, and they've seen, uh, you know, results. The, the the numbers are down. Turkey numbers are up. Mark Drury, same story. You know, up up where he lives in, in Missouri. So. Yeah, there's definitely something to it. And uh, it's a valuable management tool. And that's a great message to get out there, you know. And, and if you guys are out there telling that story, it's another just another great message. Uh, as far as working with us and, and telling our, our story, you know, what does that mean to you guys
11: and having that association uh, with the NWTF? It's huge, man. Like, who would ever even think, you know, that we'd be... Honored enough to be here and having a conversation about it. Um, I think we're we're students to what we do. Yeah. And, you know, rolling in and turkey hunting and just learning the turkey scene as much as possible, as much as we know the duck scene and the science and um, just everything that embodies that whole experience. We're locked in on just learning all of yeah. that. Yeah.
0: We're all students. We're all learning from each other. I, I've been passionately chasing turkeys for over 20 years. Oh, yeah. And I'm still learning. Always. There's always some some nuance or something that I never even considered it. Or as you start to, like you guys, you push up and travel for ducks. You just travel for turkeys. Mm-hmm. And yep. It's different. It's different out where he lives, you know, out in the West. You know, I went and chased Montana birds last year. I was like, this is this is not New Hampshire. This is not mm-hmm. Maine. Right. But it's wonderfully so. And it's like, oh, I've learned something new. And I also learned that a turkey can climb a mountain a hell of a lot faster than a human being. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
14: It's crazy. I they they, they just, move.
0: they just move, man. And, in like under minutes, you know, it's, you're, you're, like 20 yards up a climb and they're like already ridging you know, like, see ya. I'm out. Um, man, we're excited to have you. I'm glad we were able to pull this together. I'm sorry, again, I'm sorry, uh, Rainard is not here. Um, what, what's, what's next for you guys? What do you, you guys are probably leaving out tomorrow? What was the best thing about convention being here?
14: Man. I think the the best thing about the convention is just to seeing everybody here and coming together you know and and having a happy place where everybody can just mingle, yeah um, especially seeing you know people from all over the place who looking not forward just to meet us but just meet you know the idols that are here. you know there's a lot of big people here that uh, they see and, and sometimes you just get to that point where I I want to meet them but then you get in that mindset maybe I won't meet them and then when they finally see it it's so like it's kind of almost I don't want to say starstruck but just kind of just look at you like you know hey we're just doing with guys you want you want to take a picture so, so think-
0: that so that's a great point Like because the other part like these celebrities and, and you know, people that put up on pedestals which is fine because it, certainly it's earned guys are entertaining but when you get down there's just people Yeah, yeah. And, and everyone here the great equalizer that is turkey hunting is it puts us all on the same level
11: yeah it really does dude the big thing for me man with this whole experience of being a part of this is just the strangers you meet and how you put everything aside off that mutual passion nothing else matters except for i want to kill a turkey or harvest a turkey or or grow the population just as much as you and then you lock in and there's so much that can be built off that yes everything man so i've met some amazing people at this this conference um it's just because so there's a lot to process, you know. It
0: is. And there's and still at this late hour, 5:30 <laughs> uh on Saturday afternoon as we're recording this, there's still a huge electricity in the air. I just went upstairs where we're going to have the Grand National uh, uh auction and it's just there's so much electricity. There's so many freaking people up there. I couldn't even get through as well. I was like getting back down to you guys, but it's awesome. And this, this family, this community of turkey hunters are awesome. We're so happy and proud to have you a part of it. Uh, before we go and we wrap, um, I need to know there, this, this popped up earlier with um, one of, one of the interviews, a passionate uh, young gal out of Arkansas that duck hunts. And I was remarking how much I enjoy uh wood duck only to find out that you guys down south is this is a trash bird and I'm trash wildly disappointed and I don't understand really trash why see, they're see so be beautiful saying,
14: see that's different you know <laughs> that's Darryl, that Darryl yeah that's Daryl's gonna tell you what a tra- everything that is not green that's not a mallard so can I can I offer you this
0: I look at mallards the same way you look at oof (laughs) because I have because I have so many mallards where I live that's all I have because we're on that fringe part of the Atlantic Flyway like we get nothing of variety but there's Tons of mallards and they're like park ducks you just go out there and feed them yeah. like like yard birds and it's like oh, away with you drop a pin but you guys <laughs> <Drop a pin. laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take care of that problem for you don't worry <laughs> you guys love. we do have black ducks and you can I, kill two of them see I want to kill a black duck come up. you know what I think man,
11: I think Daryl started out hunting in WMAs that only allowed a certain shell capacity and a certain limit of birds so he was not going to waste a shell mm. on something that's not a wood duck you know so I think that kind of fed into that it fast fascinates me geographically, uh,
0: regionally, that the value system that are put on species, yes. like especially with waterfowl. And then I, then I, what else was there? I thought bluebills were cool. I guess they're not cool. <laughs> no. And
18: spoonies are. I thought those pretty, were neat looking. Pretty, and pretty they, much anything not a mallard. Anything not a mallard. mallard not so cool. what about like except, diver ducks? Except, except a big pintail. Double freak pintail. Gotta okay, take the, him out. What but about he,
0: a, what about a harlequin? If, what if you went over to Washington?
18: You good. wouldn't do a harlequin, really.
11: If they are committed, could harvest them in the spring, maybe yeah. If if, if Snookies, no. no. Oh no, that's cutting in a turkey time. Yeah, oh, yeah. very good. <laughs> thanks, guys.
0: I, thanks for indulging me on that. I, I, again, it's a truncated. So we'll do this long form down the line and, and give this a, a, a bigger uh, effort. But uh, thanks for making the time. It was, it was a big effort to make this happen. So thank you. Thank you for having me. us. All right, appreciate, appreciate you guys. You, Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, That was day three, and I am as tired at this point as (laughs) almost as I was uh, at the end of all of that. Um, After 24-7, we welcomed in Giannis Patelis from Meat Eater. Uh, Giannis was down there collecting his own turkey stories for a project they're working on which is pretty cool. Uh, just everyday Turkey hunters telling their stories to, to Giannis. And, uh, I suspect that's going to come out pretty good, but that conversation, uh, that's about a 60 minute conversation. We went pretty long on that and, uh, had a lot of fun. So that's a bonus episode that will be coming to you here real quick with, uh, with Giannis. But, um, I'm curious if, uh, I keep coming back to the, the duck questions that I have. If, uh, if you're like me, I want to hear from you. If you agree with them and want to, uh, rattle my cage a little bit, that's cool too. I still stand by, uh, my thoughts on a pretty wood duck and <laughs> ruddy ducks, especially a ruddy duck. There's something very punk rock about a ruddy duck that kind of flies in the face. And apparently that's, that's exactly, uh, accurate. So, uh, champion of the wood and ruddy ducks, but, uh, and this was a lot of fun. Um, I can't wait to do it again in 2024. If you weren't with us, join us. Um, You know, if you weren't with us in 23, join us in 24. It's well worth it. There's just so much great energy and just so many good people uh, to be around. So hopefully we will see you in Nashville, February 14th through the 17th of 2024. That's it. It's on the turkey season. Content here will uh, will feature great storytellers from the turkey world. Turkey stories keep you uh, excited for upcoming opening days and get you through some long travel hours maybe if you're traveling turkey hunter or just uh, hanging around town and driving some country roads looking for a, a sweet spot to hunt. But uh, we aim to please and entertain and maybe educate along the way. But uh, until our next show, take care of each other, love each other, be kind, and we will do it all again next time. Till then, see you.
3: Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you.
2: Hey guys, this is Aaron with The Hunting Public. Each spring we head to the woods chasing turkeys and one overlooked product that we use religiously is Sawyer permethrin. We've used it for years to keep ticks off of us and it's worked extremely well. We don't like messing around with Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, anything like that. So I would highly recommend if you're a spring turkey hunter spending any time in warmer climates in the outdoors to use Sawyer permethrin. Learn about their advanced insect repellents and family of technical lightweight water filters at sawyer.com.
1: Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation.